Commodities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddies where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm a Knox and Amon. And I am a librarian. We are, <laughs> I think, I, I think I might have jumped the gun uh, earlier. Uh, in this series, Zach, when we did Spy Kids, and I, I asked you if this is the true start of the 2001 Fort year, because that's what was it was labeled as in the spreadsheet, and you told me I was wrong and I was a fool, and uh, there was some domestic abuse between us that I had to cut out of that episode, but am I now correct in saying that this is the start of the 2001 Fort year? <laughs> you are correct, Rob. You are correct. Okay, it I'm, begins... I'm correct, but there's still some domestic abuse I have to cut out. Got it. <laughs> some, some, some. <laughs> all, maybe? <laughs> all, all the domestic abuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but okay, we, so we're finally here, Zach. I guess, it, so technically, is does that mean that the start of May is the start of the summer? Is that how it works in the... In, uh, in Cinemodity's world? It's how it works. Like, it just, like, I can't remember when that became a thing because, like, movie-going season began usually on Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. I think that was a thing that went all the way back to, like, Star Wars. But then, like, over time, it slowly just became, like, like, oh, God, it's weird how, like, the goalposts for the summer movie season just kept expanding and expanding. Because I want to say, like, it really didn't become, like, a definitive thing until probably... The following summer after this one, 2002 with Spider-Man, where eventually I just became like the Marvel, just like the first like weekend in May became the Marvel, just yeah. kick off the summer season. But this was The Mummy Returns. was like one of those ones trying to get like out ahead of things like Fast and – well, at that point, Fast and Furious wasn't even a franchise. Like, I'm trying to think like what was the – I guess like Pearl Harbor was considered the like the definitive tentpole of this summer. Sure. Like that was kind of like the behemoth that everyone was trying to get, try to get out of the way of. Okay, okay, interesting. So, uh, I, as uh, as you mentioned, Mummy Returns, that's our 2001 movie. We're we're technically, I think, discussing The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. I pulled another uh, Sansa Land and Hannibal's. I did watch The Tomb of the Dragon Emperor as well, because I had actually never seen it before. But we can get to those in, uh, in due time. So, I, I guess, Zach, where do you want to start with uh, The Mummy? I guess before I, I throw it over to you... Can you do something very important for me? What, Rob? Can you show me the mummy? <laughs> show me the mummy! Do you love the mummy? <laughs> I, I'm going to put that clip in so many times in this episode. This is going to be like our uh, annihilation sting for this episode. It's just going to be us saying, show me the mummy! Every time one of us says mummy, we just play the sting. <laughs> Show me the mummy. <laughs> I love in the in, the, uh, in what the uh, when we discussed Tom Cruise in our suck and blow episode. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that exists. I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise said, "Show me the mummy," and Zach's response is, "I hope that isn't real." <laughs> <laughs> and oh boy, if you've heard that episode, you know it is in fact real. <laughs> oh yuck! One thing I speaking of uh, musical stings that we use on Cinematis, is it true that if you have a Tesla? You can actually make your own car horns. Like you can like plug a USB drive into it and choose your own horn. I have not heard this, but this might be the thing, if true, that gets me to (laughs) save up for a Tesla. Um, Because 
<laughs> I would love to have some of those crazy, like, animal collective noises that we've talked about as my horn. <laughs> I would love being able to drive around and like someone gets too close to you in the annihilation sound plays. Wah, 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 wah. That would be wah, great. Wah, 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 wah. I would love like the um the shining, the womp 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 womp, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> you get one that screams, show me the mummy. Show me the mummy. Man, we haven't used it, but uh the goat scream for breaking the ground <laughs> would be wonderful. I feel like a lot of people would think of that one though, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of like almost too low hanging a fruit. I hope that since I'm imagining that, well, I don't know too much about uh, car horns or cars in, in you know general. We'll have to ask Lashawn when he comes on again. Um, but I know like in or like old school cars that the horn would literally be like a horn, and when you hit the thing in your steering wheel, it would squeeze some like a horn to make the noise. If it's digital now, I hope that it creates. We can create something that if you hit the horn and you, like, let go of it, it won't stop. So I want to, like, hit the horn once, and it'll play, like, a three-minute music clip or something, and there's no way to stop it or, like, prevent it from doing that. I, I want, that has to be regulated by the government, right? I would hope has so. has to be, right? <laughs> <laughs> Rob, are you telling me you do not want to be driving down, like, the road? Like, I've shown you that clip, right, the guy in the song going, ah! Yeah, ah, yeah. I, I, I want that. I want that as a horn. I want that. I want all of it. I want all of it. I just want like a cacophony of sounds. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine as as New York City has historically been just constant horn honking if it was just like everybody had a different musical sound on their horn? And it was oh just, you know, like all over the place. And I mean, there's there's some precedent for this. I mean, what I don't know what movie it's been in, but I, I'm sure it exists. I know it exists somewhere where uh, what La Cucaracha is somebody's horn, you know? Oh, yeah. And oh, God, so Rob. could you imagine you're making, you're making it, Are you making an Ant-Man reference, Rob? There is no way Ant-Man is the first one to do that. There is no <laughs> way. Know, like I that know. could total. I could see that as like in like. <laughs> Cheech and Chong go up and smoke that was in that movie or something like that, you know? <laughs> oh, God. But I think oh, that would God. be but to answer, wonderful. <laughs> but to answer Rob's question, yes, this is the definitive kickoff to the 2001 summer fort year. The floor Tell play the is money. over. <laughs> the floor play is over. The floor play, yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad. I know that I mentioned it uh, in the last few weeks that – it's all downhill after Josie and the Pussycats and Freddy Got Fingered. This is a good follow-up to Freddy Got Fingered because while this is, of course, nowhere near uh, the masterpiece that that movie is, and I definitely don't love the Mummy series as much as I love Freddy Got Fingered, this is a, this is a good, like, kind of come down, you know? It's not like we're going directly into something that I hate and that I will actively be uninterested in while I watch, like Shrek. So at least the Mummy, I had some fun because it, I got some nostalgia and some context with it but i have to say things worked out we didn't just you know take a huge cliff dive to rock bottom it's like a slow ramp to the bottom in this fort year for me which i'm which i'm very happy is, about there, is there anything for the rest of the fort year that you're excited for uh in terms of the the movies probably rat race in, oh, okay. In right, terms right, okay. of things that I will like, I have interesting things to talk about. I'm, I am excited for uh, Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within because I have so much to say about Final Fantasy that I will finally get to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> but I mean, 
what else? No, I'm not excited for Jurassic Park 3. I, I think that might be the one I'm going to actively see if I might just, like, do the cliff notes or something. I don't know if I can handle watching a, di- a goddamn dinosaur movie ever again in my How life. How do you not? I, I, we could have that discussion right now, and I would not have to see that movie. There's nothing that happens in that movie, Rob. <laughs> the raptors talk. <laughs> okay, we're exactly. done. I'll just edit that out. I'll put the intro. I'll put the outro. We'll release that. It'll be our shortest episode ever. Can we have your description of the franchise from the Dinosaur Boogaloo episode as the Jurassic Park 3 episode? Where it's I mean... like the first one, have children. <laughs> Second movie, have children. Third movie, raptors can talk. <laughs> Fourth movie, have children. Fifth movie, have clone children and that's (laughs) just (laughs) oh man oh man i mean yeah so i'm i'm fine with that i'm not excited i mean and then other than that i mean maybe legally blonde will be kind of fun i haven't seen that movie in so long but that's what i'm like okay and then everything else is kind of tangentially related like i mean i am excited to talk about the score just to talk about the back the behind the scenes stuff with marlon brando like hating frank oz like that's exciting And then, okay, uh, so and then I guess enough, Jeepers Creepers. Enough. Jeepers Creepers will be fun because we get to talk about a convicted, yes, a, 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 a convicted criminal. <laughs> no, Rob, we can't be vague. Pedophile. <laughs> pedophile. I thought that was going to be something like if I said we get to talk about a convicted pedophile, you would immediately go, save it! Don't spoil that! <laughs> <laughs> no, Rob, that is the only talking point about that movie. Like, like there, there's only one monster in Jeepers Creepers, and it's the director. <laughs> um, I like that, I like that. <laughs> Oh, God. But no, The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. So, Rob, do you want to delve into some context? Do you have any context? Yeah. yeah. I have I have a little. Not a lot, but a little. Okay. I don't think I have too much context, but um, I, I have some vague memories that are from so long ago. They are certainly confounded with other memories and, and probably, you know, uh, rendered incorrect just by the force of time. But I am incredibly certain that I saw both of the first Mummy and The Mummy Returns in theaters. I know for The Mummy, when it came out in 1999, I would have been, like, six, because it was before my birthday. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, I, I think I saw it in theaters with my dad. I am convinced that I remember, as, like, a, a, a formative memory, which is why it probably sticks in my head, that I saw the, the Mummy in theaters in 1999... Because of the moment when, what, Rachel Weisz, like, reads from the Book of the Dead, and we get the jump scare of the mummy coming to life, I very vividly remember seeing that on a big screen. Now, to be fair, I don't know if I would have seen it when it first came out, because, Zach, there is a chance that I would have seen something like this at the South Hills Mall much, much after it came out originally. Oh, my God. So, oh my god, the South Hills Mall. So there is a possibility that I might have been seven when I saw The Mummy. <laughs> oh my god. But I I am incredibly certain that I saw it in theaters, the first one. I am 100% certain that I saw The Mummy Returns in theaters. That one I have more, I had more memory of in the big screen. I remember like the pygmy scene and stuff, watching that in the theater. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that I saw both these in theaters. I've known about these movies because of that for so long. And when I was younger, I thought these were good fun. And I don't, I also think that this was definitely something that my parents would have been like, oh yeah, we can go see the mummy because it's basically Indiana Jones, but with mummies, you know, they are rated PG 13, but there's nothing in here that is really, you know, 
I think, bad it's for innocent. a kid. It's, it's, it's very innocent. innocent. I mean, it's only when you get into the background stuff when you're like, oh, Brendan Fraser almost died making the first one, and most of the crew also almost died making the first one, that it starts to get PG-13. But these are very much, you know, like, like cartoonish, comic booky type movies in, in terms of tone and stuff. So I definitely don't think this was something where it was like, oh, you can't go see The Mummy. But I am sure that I saw these in theaters. I'm sure then that I saw them, like, later in life, like maybe continually in the early 2000s, whether it be through TV or maybe a VHS. I don't think I had this on VHS. But I've always known about these movies. This is, like, my first introduction to Brendan Fraser. I would argue that today this is what most people remember Brendan Fraser from because, as we talked about, no one remembers – no one saw Monkey Bone or wants to rewatch Monkey Bone. Um, I, I know everybody wants to forget Crash – other than that, you know, uh, maybe Encino Man would be the other Brendan Fraser thing. But we'll get more into Brendan Fraser. But that's my context that I knew about these movies. And I have to say, like I said, it's a slow ramp down to the bottom. These were pretty fun. I had some, I had some fun re-watching these movies. So I'm glad that we're talking about them uh, before getting into things like Shrek and Pearl Harbor and, and AI and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, God, AI. Oh, God. AI, I feel like AI is going to be the most painful. Like, say what you want about Shrek. You might not like Shrek, but it's going to be easy to talk about. AI is going to be us just, like, like frustrated. You could tell me right now that AI, the actual length of that movie, is less than three hours, shorter than Pearl Harbor. And I will be like, I believe you, but it does not feel that way. <laughs> AI feels like it is no. – like, I feel like I will start AI, you know, maybe when, like, the sun is out. And by the end, the sun will be rising the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I was about the sun is out. I didn't like it just burnt. It went supernova and burned out. <laughs> that's what I thought you meant. And I'm like, accurate. Yes. Accurate. That's fair as well. That's fair as well. But no, I think AI the... is what happens when a computer makes a movie. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I mean, so, so yeah, I mean, but we're, we're not there yet, thankfully. I'm still, I'm still ha- relatively happy. I, I'm riding the high of Freddy Got Fingered, I guess you could say. But The Mummy and The Mummy Returns, I think they're good fun. I know we'll get into it for sure as we talk about it more. And like I mentioned, I did watch um, The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor because I had never seen it before. So we could probably talk a little bit about that because I know Zach didn't rewatch it for this, but he's seen it before. And but yeah, I mean that's my context that I, I actually saw these when I was young. I enjoyed the men. I I enjoy these for the most part now. I have a lot of issues with some of it, uh, specifically the second one. I think I went into Stockholm syndrome at the end of the second one. There was like a good fifteen minute period at the end of The Mummy Returns that I could not stop laughing. Like I was <laughs> I was so fucking I was so giddy. Like, you know, it was like sleep deprivation type of giddy at the end of The Mummy <laughs> Returns that I was just losing it. Um, but, yeah, that's my context. So I guess if I was like Zach, I would be able to say I had my ticket stubs for these movies. Um, oh, but I Rob. never saved oh, my ticket Rob. stubs. You, so you that know leads exactly to, Exactly. How many ticket stubs do you have for these movies? <laughs> Unfortunately, Rob, I only have I have them only from one viewing. Unlike Spy Kids, I did not see this twice in theaters. Um, my introduction, I guess, when I really think about it, my my context is going to be fairly involved with this. Um, this was again, this was kind of my uh, what's the word coming into my own when it came to this. My interest in movies, I remember because like at this point, if you look at like all the movies like I go see in theaters, just going from my ticket stubs, like my first ticket stub I have is like Pokemon, the first one. Pokemon 2000, Thomas and the Magic Railroad, The Grinch, 
102 Dalmatians, Castaway, which this day, I, I still can't believe my parents took me to go see that. Miss Congeniality, Reset Schools Out, Spy Kids, Spy Kids Again, <laughs> Pokemon 3. Like, this is the kind of fodder, and I'll obviously sprinkle, like, a Star Wars in there. So, like, I remember, like, in the spring, I guess, like, May of 2001, all the kids at school, like, and I was in third grade, Rob was in third grade, but this is why I'm still living in Florida. All the kids, like, were going to see Mummy Returns, and Mother's like, that's, that's, that's just too scary. Like, that's just, like, no. And I'm like, Mom, like, like. They're having commercials for it on Nickelodeon. Like, it's not scary. They wouldn't be at, like, I think about it. Eight-year-old me was convinced that my mother see is based on marketing. Be like, Mom, they wouldn't have commercials for this on Nickelodeon if it, if it was too scary. And, like, it's only PG-13. She's like, well, if you promise you won't get scared. Like Rob said, like, one of the biggest things was the little pygmy, like, mummy. Like, that was, like, fig- like, that was, like, featured in all the marketing for this. But much like how I've talked about it on the Star Wars pad- podcast, like, there was a certain time period that, like, after, like, April, and because how school worked in Florida, like, school basically ended, like, like mid to late May. But by, like, May 1st, we couldn't have any fun because that was the – that was, like, in my mother's mind. It was, like, this weird sort of, like, extrapolation of the it's a school night mentality. Okay. And that, like, oh, it's the end of school. We don't have fun the end of school. We worry like, – like we concentrate exclusively on the end of the year of school. So it's like – it's like a Friday like before a weekend. We can't go to the movies because it's the end of school. And I'm like – like it's kind of like to make a weird sort of connection. It's like Rip Torn in the chicken sandwich at dinner. It's <laughs> sure. so like you better eat your – like you don't get to eat you – like you are at the dinner table. You do not eat a chicken sandwich. And I'm telling my mother eight years old, I'm an adult. I can eat a chicken sandwich if I want to. <laughs> and so, like, I looking at the ticket stub, and this one, as Rob knows, like, once like we started getting into the high school years, like, I had to be the first one to do everything. Yeah. The most extreme example of this is the time I waited seven hours online to be the first person into the first showing of Star Wars: The Force Awakens at the Galleria, and I'm still infuriated to this day that they were interviewing people outside the theater at like 5 p.m. being like, "These are the biggest Star Wars fans ever. They're waiting outside for two hours." I'm like, "Horseshit." <laughs> I've been waiting for seven hours. Go do your journalistic in, like integrity. <laughs> talk about an oxymoron. And sit there and come into the goddamn theater lobby and talk to the real fans and sitting there for seven hours. I missed the birth of my child for this. Interview me. <laughs> oh, yeah. In all honesty, if I had to choose between like, a birth of a child and a brand new Star Wars movie... Well, I don't well, want to be think, a bad person, but I, I think we all know what my decision would be. I think the accurate representation of what would happen is that whoever you were having a child with would also be a huge Star Wars fan, and that kid would be born in the line for the Star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 Rob, no, 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 Rob. That would take During away the from the Star Wars. They would be. They would. No, no, no. That would take away from the movie. They'd be told to stay at home and don't get in the way. <laughs> Remember, as Rob can tell you, there's only one priority in life, and it begins with the word star and ends with the word wars. <laughs> um, but no, anyway, back to The Mummy. Like, the movie came out May 4th, and I did not – buy the ticket stub, I did not get to see it until May 26th. This is okay. very similar to The Grinch thing where, like, I didn't get The Grinch until – like, The Grinch came out, like, the beginning of November, and I didn't get to see that until, like, what was it, two days after Christmas? Sure. sure. Because that's just how my mother was. My mother's like – it's like, no. Like we like we have fun once everything is over, and it's like I, again I don't get it. So like I remember wanting to see it. I got to see it, and I enjoyed, I think it was, I think it, I want to say that like it was my first PG third. No, it couldn't be Castaway. I saw Castaway in theaters. 
Like, I think it was, like, my first, like, PG-13 movie and that I wanted to see it. And I enjoyed it. Like, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't really care about the mummy. Like, I know my nephew and, like, his family. Like, obviously, they knew all about these movies. Actually, The Mummy Returns was my first time ever seeing a DVD player in action because he had that DVD. Okay. And I was just blown away because I never had a DVD player. He had that. and It just drove me nuts. Like, he didn't just have one DVD player. He had one in his living room. And he had one in his bedroom. And I'm just like with my little VCR in my room. And I'm like, I was just so jealous. And he was younger than me. It drove me nuts. But I remember him like just showing off his DVD player and like, like, oh, look, you don't have to fast forward. You can just skip to different chapters. And my little like eight, nine-year-old mind was just blown. I'm just like, what? You don't have to like spend like 20 minutes fast forwarding. <laughs> and that weird thing, it's like, like, if you're looking for a very specific part in the movie to fast forward, oh, oh I, I missed it. You have to rewind it. Oh, oh, oh I got yeah. fast forward again. Just, and then just have to like, like deal with the fact you have to watch through like five minutes of the movie you don't want to watch. And then, like, I'm being like, oh, I can still remember being like, just like blown away by that. And then, I don't think, I, I, this is one thing I regret. I should have sent Rob this video. Is that in the spring of 2004 at Universal Studios in Florida, they opened Revenge of the Mummy, The Ride. I read a little bit about that. Okay. And I, and this was like, oh God, this was like, I, what happened was in for Christmas of 2003, my, my brother, and again, part again that brother, part of my nephew, him and his wife sat there, got me a, a annual pass to Universal Studios. So when we were like going down there, like going there, they had like like one of those I don't even call like a sandwich board sign like outside the ride, and it's like oh, like the ride's not open yet, but we're having like technical rehearsals. And it's like, what the hell does that mean? Like, to like a how old was I? Eleven year old. Like, what the hell is a technical rehearsal? What does that mean? And it's like, oh, that means like they're doing previews of it. And I was just like, oh my god, like this is this is the point where like, I'd never been on a roller coaster before. And it was like, oh my god, like I don't know what this is like. And I remember doing the ride and just being blown away, being like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, I mean, to this day, it's like probably like one of like the most fun like like theme park rides I've ever been on. I actually have two of those like after the ride pictures, um, like you buy afterwards. Oh, I have one okay. with like. I actually have two of those from like the first time I went on it, and then like the time like where my father actually came with us and he went on it as well. Um, like it, it's kind of a shame that like it's one of the few like la- like last genuinely good rides Universal's built that's not just screens. Um, but probably the best part of the entire ride is that it's bookended by Brendan Fraser, like as Brendan Fraser the actor. It actually the ride actually ends with Brendan Fraser on t- like a TV screen being like, "Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed our ride," and. And somebody hands him like a cup of – it's like a mummy hand handing him a cup of coffee. And he's like, I want an espresso. And he gets attacked by the mummy and that's just how it ends. It's, <laughs> it's very bizarre. It's very, very bizarre. Um, like definition of like fourth wall breaking before it was popular. And like that's probably the most memorable part of the ride. Okay. <laughs> it's just Brendan Fraser yelling about coffee. Um, if Rob can, I'm going to have him insert the clip because it's very, very strange. Hey, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed yourself. I would have enjoyed this interview a lot more if I had gotten my cup of coffee. Thank you. But like when that whole thing was happening with that ride, like I wanted to go back and get the movies. And so like I I have both The Mummy and The Mummy Returns on DVD. Um, unfortunately, they're both like in full screen, so like a third of like the the image mm. is cropped out. Mm-hmm. Um, but like over time, like I always like for the longest time, I always just loved The Mummy Returns. I didn't like The Mummy that much. I thought it was dry. And then about a few years ago, I went back and revisited them, and I absolutely hated The Mummy Returns because I'm like, God, this is just like it's just like like there's no story. It's just action. It's just guns. 
And then like I'm like, wow, that first one's really good. It's probably like like oh god, it's probably like the third best Indiana Jones movie we've ever gotten. <laughs> and then like for this discussion, I went back and rewatched both of them. And I really found the first one dry again and kind of like the second one. <laughs> so I, I, I really don't know. Like I'm, I'm waffling a lot on this franchise. Like I said, I've only seen the third movie once, like when it came out. Like I have it on Blu-ray somewhere. I watched it once, have zero interest in ever revisiting it again. Um, have never seen the, the Scorpion King movie, never saw any of like the six sequels to that. Um, I remember there was a cartoon on the WB back in like the early 2000s. Um, the most memorable thing I remember that from was like they used to have commercial bumpers for it. It was like Imhotep is like a, like a spider. And it's like spider mummy, spider mummy <laughs> does whatever a spider mummy can. It's like, so it's like this weird sort of like mashup of like the Spider-Man theme. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm I glad you that, bring up the like, animated series because I did not know about that. I, don't, I never I – re- if I had heard about it, I had completely forgotten it. But I found it in my research for this. Do you know who voices Imhotep in that in the twenty six episodes of that that exists? Jim Cummings. Jim fucking Cummings is the voice of Imhotep. That blew me away. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, it's Jim Cummings. <laughs> Whoa! I okay. I went on the record. That was a like shooting the basketball over my shoulder blindfolded <laughs> level of a guess. <laughs> I literally just made that up on the spot. I thought the most like prolific voice actor I could think of. That wasn't Tom Kenny, and I just lobbed it over my shoulder. It was I. I, I was just like, legit buy a lot of tickets right now. That's awesome. That's all, yes, absolutely. But I was looking into it, and I was like, oh, I, like what's this about? You know, I'm looking at the voice acting cast, and it has a lot of those famous voice actors from that time. You know, like Gray Delisle. Tom Kenny is in it. Tom Kenny voices Jonathan. Um, you know, uh, John DiMaggio, and then Jim Cummings is the voice of Im- Imhotep, and I'm like, Winnie the Pooh was a mummy at a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> Damn straight he was. I never saw any of that. The oh, things God. that stood out to me is that it's uh, it, it premiered like a week and a half after 9-11 on Kids WB. And I was like, okay, I guess we of needed course. something. Um, and I was like, where can, you, <laughs> where can you watch this? And apparently today you can get the whole series on Peacock, the stream, NBC streaming service. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, God. I don't know if I'll ever check that one out. <laughs> okay, I need to talk about the like streaming rights to this franchise because they are all over the freaking place. Okay, like, okay. like when I first thought about this, I was like, oh, like it's a universal property. It has to be on Peacock. And it's like, nope, the mummy member turns on HBO Max, which is obviously a Warner Brothers like Comcast venture. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what? Not Comcast, AT&T, excuse me. I'm, I'm, losing, I'm losing track of all this. Comcast is universal. Um, what yeah, do you mean you're losing weird. track of non-movie companies that own our movie companies? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. It's, it's, it's all a disaster. AT&T <laughs> owns this. Like, like everybody just like, – it's, it's, it's so freaking incestuous at this point. Like, I guess, I guess it's still not as bad as, like, what was it? Like, oh, God, Gulf and Western owning Universal at one point. Or was that yeah. – it's just like or, Par- or Paramount, I mean. Like, I, it's, it's all incestuous, but at the same time, though, it's just so odd. Yep. It just oh, comes yeah. down to, like, which one is Facebook going to buy? Is Facebook going to buy Disney eventually or is it going to be Apple? Like, <laughs> like who buys Disney, Apple or Facebook? Who's going to be the first one to buy Disney? It BP. has to be Apple, I think it's going right? to be BP. <laughs> <laughs> we can hope. Tesla. Which one, what streaming service does Tesla get into? <laughs> the one that we were talking about off mic that's going to beam it into your eyeballs. That's the one Tesla yes. buys. Yeah. Yes. What's the market cap on Tesla versus Apple? we got to figure that one out. <laughs> oh, God. 
but yeah, uh, but no, that's kind of my uh, thing. Like, like I remember when the Mummy, uh, the third one, came out in two thousand eight, which is like, I remember you and I even talking about that that summer. Like, I don't think we were interested in that. Like, I, I didn't even blip on our radar because that came out like what August two thousand eight, the third yeah, one. Yeah, seven years we, after the Mummy Returns, they they yeah, try and it, revisit it, it. it. Seven years later, it made half as much money, which is like nothing short of a disaster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also like, I got caught up in like the, the Dark Knight, like like tsunami so like it was like okay like so like that movie was always gonna struggle to find an audience but like being caught in that was just kind of a recipe for disaster yeah yeah so it's interesting that you keep going back and forth on the mummy and the mummy returns um i jeez i have not watched either of these since probably the mid-2000s which would have been the last time i mean i've I got, like, someone I was sharing files with, they had them on their hard drive, and I grabbed them and stuff like that, and I, so I've always had them, because I was like, oh yeah, the Mummy movies, but when I rewatched them for this, I have to say that I, I enjoyed, I thought The Mummy was fun, The Mummy Returns I had a lot of problems with, and then, like I said, the last 15 minutes of The Mummy Returns, I was laughing hysterically. <laughs> like, there is a scene at the very end of The Mummy Returns that we will have to talk about that I, like, was rewinding and rewatching and rolling on the floor laughing, it's so ridiculous. Um, so I had good fun. And I guess I should say for finally seeing the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor, um, I am incredibly neutral. neutral. It is the most bland okay. movie. I guess the biggest problem I had with that movie is since I watched them all in like the course of two days, I, I was so upset that Rachel Vice's character as of Evie gets recast in the third one, uh, with Maria. You Bella. know why she got recast, right? Well, from what I read, it's it was a uh, I found two things: problems with the script, and then have also have just giving birth, given birth. That's what I found. I always heard that she did not like the idea of being like in, like in a movie considered a mother to like a seven like a seventeen like eighteen year old actor. Oh, okay. Like I she didn't... thought that was a very bad. Per- I remember like okay. back in like two thousand eight, that was like the biggest thing. She did not like the perception of that. Like, it would make her look older than she was, like okay. being like like basically portrayed. And would kind of yeah, that's what I remember at the time. Like she just didn't like her. I, I don't know her talent. I'm not her talent. Um, yeah, talent agency did not like that. Something like that. Okay, okay, yeah. I didn't look into it too much because since we weren't focusing on that one, I didn't do too much research. But I was very upset when like Maria Bello shows up. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? And then they're like, Evie, Evie, and I'm like, no, I'm like, this is terrible to watch these movies in like quick succession and they fuck it up. like it's i'm very upset by that recast <laughs> when does when does the third one take place because i know the first one and the second one are 10 years apart what's the difference between the second and third Ooh, i don't even know if i actually remember <laughs> okay fair enough uh yeah but i mean like almost everybody else comes back uh like brendan fraser's in the third one of course uh the guy who plays jonathan and who is john hyde i think his name is i wrote it down somewhere we'll get to him i have thoughts on who plays jonathan uh but jet lee is in it cuz like zach said before we started recording he's on the poster um he turns the best scene in the movie is the beginning where jet lee turns into clay like a witch curses him and turns him into clay and he like vomits up wet clay as he's turning into a a, a clay person and that's pretty cool um, there are yetis in the third one, but they're on the good guy's side, which I thought was strange. So, like, yetis are just helping them for most of the movie. Uh, I was incredibly neutral on it. I was just like, yeah, this is they're just rehashing the first two movies, but in the, like, you know, with Chinese dynasty mummies instead of Egyptian mummies. And it was, uh, it was not the greatest. And it had deals with the whole family nonsense which i never enjoy in any movie period basically uh so i would not recommend it stick with the first two at least the first one's fun i would say the second one you will 
if you are like me, you will die laughing at the end of the second one. It, the second one becomes such a ridiculous comedy, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that, too, because, like, at the end of the first one, I couldn't stop laughing. It's just, like, everyone's <laughs> just screeching each other. Yes. Like, we have, like, Mummy and Knox in the Moon just chasing Rachel Vice around. I'm just, like, like it, it's goofy. I'm just, like, it's, like, like, okay, we should say, we said this off mic. The first and second movies are, like, they follow the exact same template. Oh yeah. Except oh, there's like, like there's a, there's a lot more action. The second one, basically, the second movie re- like basically takes out any sort of character any of these characters had mm-hmm. and just replaces it with action. Yes. It's like what if what if instead of having one character with a gun, we have all the characters with guns? It's like boom. <laughs> it's like, Sold. like, like <laughs> and that's what happens. Yeah. Because like in that okay, so you're watching the first one. And it's pretty interesting. Like, like the mummy conflict doesn't begin until halfway through the movie. Yes, it's essentially just an adventure film for the first half, where you have like all this sort of stuff like happening. Where obviously Rachel Vice like works for like what the library, and then like they find the map, and she tracks down Brendan Fraser's Rick. O- is it Rick O'Connell or Rick O'Donnell? O'Connell. 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 It is, ri- it is actually Rick. It is Rick Okasik. The lead character of the Mummy franchise is the lead singer of the Cars, the band. <laughs> That's oh. all I could think the whole time. They keep calling him O'Connell. They're like, Rick O'Connell. I'm like, it's Rick Okasik, who I have met before in an FYE. That's a fun story. <laughs> uh-huh. Everybody's like, who the fuck are the Cars? <laughs> God, Rob. Um, they did the yeah, Circuit yeah, City like song, Zach. I got you just what I needed. Remember that in all the Circuit City commercials? Oh, yeah. Look at oh, this. Yeah. This, we wow. got to talk. How, how have we gone so many movies into 2001, 2001 and commercials. not talked about Circuit City? <laughs> yeah, my brother-in-law is always inviting me over to watch his big, fancy TV. And you hate him for it. So you want something bigger and better for a lot less money. Yeah. At Circuit City, we have all the hottest new TVs, from HDTV to plasma, LCD, and more. And with unbeatable prices guaranteed, you'll find the perfect one. Circuit City. We'll get to that, Rob. Remember, Rob, we're going to talk about that. Remember, at the halfway point through the fourth year, we have to talk about the uh, special on CBS, like 100 Years, 100 Thrills. Yes. And we see people eating, like, uh, slices of plastic cheese. Um, with the cellophane wrap. I thought you were about to say that we saw them eating Circuit City, and it's like, no, that was a few years later when they were going bankrupt. Everyone was eating Circuit City. (laughs) I miss Circuit City. Um, yeah, so I don't know what's going on. Well, yeah, okay. Evie tracks down Rick O'Connell as he's about to be hung because he's just. Do they say why he's being hung? I don't. Is he an infidel? I, I don't. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's something like they, they capture him being like a. Not a grave robber, like he, like he's searching, like he's like treasure hunter type of thing. Okay, and that's no bueno because there's some weird backstory that like I wasn't fully tracking about how like Brendan Fraser's character, uh, Rick Ocasek, was in like the French Legion, and I think that's what like the beginning is supposed to be with Benny and like them fighting somebody, and they're he's like in some actual military outfit, but then he leaves that outfit and becomes more of just like an adventurer and he gets caught somewhere he isn't. I think that's what I gathered, but I was so blinded by what was going on in like the beginning of this movie. Cause I was just like, I want to see the scene where Brendan Fraser almost dies. Cause I, ev- I feel like everybody or maybe not everybody, but a lot of people know that in when Brendan Fraser got uh, hanged in this movie, he almost like died in real life. And I was just like, I want to see it. I want to see it. <laughs> 
Uh, he well, he's also in jail because he sexually assaults Rachel Vice because he steals the kiss from her. And I'm like, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. You're going to jail. You're going to prison, prison for that because he's already in jail. <laughs> Each year, one million Americans commit crimes and are sentenced to prison. But the crime doesn't stop there. Prisoners who commit crimes in prison are tried by a special prison court. You're guilty of crimes in prison! If found guilty, they are sentenced to prison prison. A special prison within prison. <laughs> Rishika Hargitay shows up halfway through the movie. So we have that moment. She gets him rescued. She promises, like, the warden of the prison to give him, like, a cut of the treasure. Yes. They go looking. There's all sorts of, just, like, adventure stuff. Like, obviously, like, the Magi are there who are to kind of, like, keep, like, Imhotep never from being resurrected. Mm-hmm. And they unwittingly, like, unwittingly, like, resurrect Imhotep. And then basically it becomes, like, okay, how do we put the genie back in the bottle? Yeah. And, yeah. That, like, that's fun. The fact that, like, Arnold Vosloo's character of Imhotep never speaks English except for, like, one specific moment in the second movie. Yes. Which makes sense. But then they never they never circle back around to it ever again, which is odd to introduce that and never to touch upon it again. Well, I, I think across. it's fine because the, we should say the line he says in English is, show me the mummy. So it works perfectly. <laughs> God damn it, Rob. <laughs> God damn it. Show me the mummy! <laughs> um, no, I I really like the the structure of the first mummy because of what you just described. That it's like the first half. I think it's it's either like the fifty minute or the hour mark that the mummy finally shows up or gets resurrected, and I'm I'm really into that because I just love the the idea in any movie, which the, all the mummy movies seem to get at. I love the idea of just human ignorance. Like, you know, the whole thing in this in the mummy where they're like, you know, no, nothing bad ever came from reading a book. Like, we're going to all these temples and we're just doing whatever the hell we want because we're humans and we can do anything. And that they cause problems just with their ignorance and arrogance. And I love that idea in movies. And that's like what that first hour of the mummy is, where they're just like, well, it's it's like it's on the planet Earth. We we deserve to own it or capture it. And they're making like the game out of like who gets to Hamanoptra first between them and the Americans. And I'm like. And I'm like, this is like a testament to man's ignorance. I love it. <laughs> yeah, like, but again, like, this is, like, that's the thing about this movie. Is, like, it's almost too clever for its own good. <laughs> and that, like, well, no, like, not for, the, like, by today's standards it is. Not sure. by, not by, like, 1999 standards. Because, like, you look at this, and, like, the second one kind of falls into all, like, the pitfalls you would imagine this type of movie would. Mm-hmm. Where it just relies so much on action and just ignores any sort of just like character moments. And like people have to realize that the reason why we like movies like Indiana Jones and stuff like that is the characters are fun. The characters are the backbone and like the skeletal structure as to why these movies resonate. And you look at like what's happening now with films of that sort of ilk, it's it, you don't get that. You just get the bombast and the spectacle, yeah. which is kind of the issue with the second movie. And that's the thing, like, like that's what, like, because think about, it. like, the fact that you don't really begin any sort of, ba- think about, it. like, you have the opening, like, action sequence at Hamanatra, and then it's not until Emotech gets resurrected, and that's, like, what, almost an hour into the movie. Yep. That we finally get that. And in that time frame, though, you get to get, you get all these really nice character moments, whether it be, like, Evie knocking over all the bookcases, you get all sorts of just, like, Jonathan nonsense, we get like the fact that like they, they the magi set like the ferry on fire and it's just like drifting down the Nile River as it's like on fire. Um, like th- you have the like, I guess there's there's little like moments like that which make a movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, nobody it's, it's nobody a lot of fun. cares about Rick. O- 
yeah, nobody cares about Rick O'Connell with his like dual like like pistols shooting Imhotep in the face. Well, Zach, I think we need to mention clearly the thing that makes the second movie so good is the like D plot that <laughs> Brendan Fraser is a warrior chosen by God and Rachel Weisz is the in- reincarnation of some famous <laughs> Egyptian princess. <laughs> That's the Jeez. only reason it's good, right? <laughs> No, no, Rob, you're forgetting the, the E-plot of The Mummy Returns, <laughs> and that guy in red robes just wanders around the set of the movie. <laughs> yeah. He has no – okay. In the second movie, there's a bunch of characters, but there's this one, like, older guy in, like, the red robes, and he literally has no importance to the plot other than the fact that he awakens Anubis's army. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he just – he's literally, like, sprinkled throughout the entire film, has nothing to do – until the script tells him to do something. <laughs> and you could very easily have given that like role or that moment to any other character in the movie. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like I like in the first Mummy movie, there's a part where they cut off Imhotep's arm and he just puts it right back on. Yeah. I'm just like, like I'm just like, okay, I was just dying at that. I'm just like, <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course if you cut his arm off, it just goes right back on. Like At one point, I'm like, because I didn't remember. I'm like, oh, is he going to grow another arm? I'm like, please let him grow another arm like a lizard tail. I'm like, please. Grow two like, arms nope. like a hydra. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, nope. He just puts it right back on. It just like it hears immediately back. And I'm like, all right. I'm just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's goofy. Like, that's the thing. Like, like, there's a difference between like goofy and then schlock. That's goofy. The yes. second movie is very schlocky where you have like the pygmies. And the pygmies are just like kind of just like vicious. And they just kind of sit there like you have them like they constantly keep shanking some of the people. And then like um, one of them flings over like what? Like at one point we see Jonathan and one of the, like the bad guys in red. And it's like, oh, they can't go past those, those markers. Yep. They're like ancient like like uh, oh god burial like markers. And a little like pygmy just like flings himself like, like kind of what? Uh, oh god. What would you call it? Like flings himself over and just starts like stabbing the guy. And he starts screaming and the pygmy screams back at him and runs away. Yes. Yeah, that's schlock. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah that, that, that's unintentional schlock. That's a good point. That the the first one is much more goofy, which is probably why I found it so much more fun than the second one. Um, and then, uh, in all seriousness, cramming in the warrior chosen by God nonsense and Brendan Fraser having a tattoo that was not mentioned at all in the first movie drove me fucking crazy. It's not there in the, in the first one. movie. Yeah, and, it's not there. And so and he even says like he's like I got this when I joined the military like. 20 years ago yeah yeah and there's and some mention like, where he's like he's like oh i'm just this kid from an orphanage and it's like the magi dude is like no you watch war you're chosen by god and i'm like fuck you movie but the first one is so much more goofy in a fun way like i love this uh, uh, the goofy scene that stood out to me in the first one is when like imhotep is is back in cairo and trying to get rachel vice for his reincarnation thing for um what's her what's her name we we'll have to, okay i guess Anaxonamu okay she is Unu, unuratu to me patricia velasquez will always be unuratu for, because uh, i played a sh- the shadow of the tomb raider game that she's in and she plays unuratu so that's what i called her the whole movie cuz it's shorter than Anaxonamun or whatever it is no 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 the reason why i've called her that ever since seeing the mummy returns how many years ago i love at the end of that movie yes. spoiler alert that she's like after like we've seen two movies of her and all she wants is to be reunited with Emotep. And then, like, he's like, Anox to the moon! And she's like, 
fuck this. He just <laughs> runs away and gets, like, hit, and gets like hit on the head with like a boulder or something and dies. I feel so bad for Imhotep when, <laughs> when she runs away. I'm like, how did they pull this off? But I actually feel bad for him. <laughs> but like, I love that. Like, he's just yelling that he's like, oh, no, son of a it's like ever since then. And like, even like when I was watching the first one again for this recording, I just see her. I'm just screaming that at the TV. I'm just screaming. I'm <laughs> yeah, okay, in the moon. Okay. And then like when we see him as a mummy, he has like the like like American like archaeologist like eyes that are like like bad. Yes. And he's like and he can't see anything. He's like on Knox on the moon. And I'm just like, ha! <laughs> I'm just like cackling. <laughs> so like I said, anytime you see someone, you don't immediately recognize them. Like, like we've all been there, right? Like you're like in a mall, you're somewhere, and you rec- like you see someone, like you kind of recognize recognize them on their physical attributes, but you're not sure if it's like that specific person. Just go off and be like a Knox on the moon. Perfect. And if they recognize you, they'll know. So it's perfect. And you're like, oh no, I'm sorry. And you just walk away. It's it's a win-win. It's it's an icebreaker. That's what it is. I like that because because if you say like you go up to someone you're like an Oxuna Moon and and they don't. One, they could not realize it's a name and just be like, what? If they do think it's a name, be like, no, I'm like Jennifer. (laughs) 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 Uh, But so the goofy scene that – so when when Imhotep's in Cairo in the first movie and he's trying to get Rachel Weiss and they're like going to – they're trying to stop him and that type of stuff. Or Brendan Fraser and the gang are trying to stop him. There's the scene in somebody's, like, Cairo room where Imhotep sees a cat and gets so scared he turns into a tornado. And I'm yes. like, and I'm like, that's fun and goofy. <laughs> but that always, that There's always is wonderful. There's a lot of that, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that that's, a weird, that's a weird thing in this movie. Well, like, but, like, he does that a couple of times in these movies where it's, like, like the, like, oh, God, the, like, goal markers of where his powers begin and kind of, like, I don't know where they, like, fall. Because, mm-hmm. like, at one point, like, there's a lock, like, they lock Rachel Wise like, in a, in a bedroom. And, like, he, like, instead of him just, like, opening the door or just, like, bursting it open, he spends, like, an hour and a half just, like, trickling sand <laughs> through, like, the keyhole. And I'm like, like, wasn't there a window or something he could have gone through? Like, 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 this makes no sense. Like, you have that. Then, like, he robs it. He turns into, like, a tornado at one point. And then, like, later in the movie, we see him, like, doing the tornado thing with Benny and her yep. back to Hamanatra. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, how does that work? Like, wouldn't they suffocate? Like, like if he's doing that, like, how are they breathing? How are they not, like, inhaling sand? I'm like, what is going on right now? He makes air it's bubbles like-, like Aquaman does in in one and only one of the DC movies. It's perfect <laughs> because we don't need continuity, Zach, if they've taught us anything. Because in the second movie, Imhotep just has the force. <laughs> yeah, he has the force in the second movie. Like, yeah, because we see him just like be able to fling people, like levitate people. Then like Anubis robs him of his powers. He tries to like 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 levitate a bunch of like what uh things yeah like, like dishes and, and the, like what, whatever yeah. they're called like I, I haven't learned about egypt in so goddamn long but whatever the pharaohs would get buried with like their belongings and shit he tries to levitate and they just shake and he's like well clearly these statues i walked by are anubis taking away my powers he wants me to fight the scorpion king as a mortal turns out that the scorpion king is a fucking scorpion like minotaur type thing so fucking <laughs> you seem to need powers to fight that <laughs> 
Okay, I want known like when this movie came out. Like part of the thing too, my mother want because this was a weird time in Dwayne the Rock Johnson's career where like he was slowly transitioning out of like the wrestler persona. Yes, and he wanted to be like an actor. And like, but like, he was doing enough like talk show appearances. And he was doing that like kind of like gregarious, like larger than life energy he's like known for now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like, like, like he's cool. Like The Rock, he's like, like she's like, he's a neat guy. And she wanted to see this. I remember like for like the the epilogue, she was. I'm sorry, the pro, oh prologue, right? For the be- yeah, prologue, for the beginning, right? yeah, prologue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably. I'm sorry, I got those confused for a second. Chapter um, zero, which the, would be an, a, a supplemental zero. comic book in this day and age. <laughs> yes. Oh God, you're right. Um, I remember like that part. She's like, man, like when he's like, like he's doing this thing like in the desert in the opening of the second time. She's like, oh man. And then like he basically disappears for the yep. rest of the movie. And then like and that, and that, I can still remember back in 2001, 20 years ago. We're coming out of the theater. Mother's just like, this is stupid. <laughs> she's just like, like, he's like the weird, like, like you said, like Minotaur, Scorpion Man. This is dumb. She's like, <laughs> yeah, this is because we've talked about The Rock on this podcast before a good bit. Um, this is uh, this is his hops, first. Well, w- w- we will get there one day, I'm sure. I will not be involved, but Cinematics will get there one day. The Fast and the Furious, Rob. The Fast and the Furious movie is like what a month away. I know, but the Rock's not in that one. The Rock doesn't the franch- pop up till he's in like the the sixteenth one or something, right? <laughs> he's in the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth one. That's no, that's too early. He's, in, he's, he's, he's not in, in it till at least the twelfth. At he's least in over the fiftieth. I'm trying to think. Is the I'm trying to think. Is that ninth Fast and Furious movie still coming out this year? Or that get pushed until next year? I have no idea what you're talking about because the ninth <laughs> one came out in 2004. Okay. <laughs> the ninth one is not coming out in 2021. The 90th might be coming out in 2021. I don't know where you're getting this information, Zach. <laughs> Every single time I'm at Best Buy and I see like the Blu-ray rack and they have Hobbs and Shaw, I just laugh. I cannot wait for two Hobbs, two Shaw. I but, just cannot wait. But this is the the Rock's first film role. Other than, well, I guess technically his first film role that's not him as a wrestler because I'm sure he did wrestler film feature length stuff but this is the uh the rock's first movie and he is the rock in the first scene and he is and he is in the last scene what is like considered throughout all of time as the greatest special effect in anything ever and people need to realize not just best cgi in anything ever the best special effect period like you think of like best special effects in throughout movies like practical cgi ever this is considered the best. Am I right in saying that, Zach? I'm at a point now where I can't even tell if you're being ironic anymore this or not. This is the greatest. Because why wouldn't we want to see a CGI rock <laughs> scorpion minotaur whose eyes are clearly too far apart as <laughs> the length of his forehead changes between shots? It's the best special effect. You know that scene where the dog turns into like a spider in the, in the beginning of the thing? That has nothing on the CGI rock at the end of this movie. <laughs> you know the entire film of Avatar got nothing on this. No, it. I. I remember. I, like I said, I haven't seen this movie in so long. But like, if you know anything about the Scorpion King in this movie, it is considered like laughably bad. And I was very excited to get to see it again. And it is laughably bad. Like I said, his forehead changes size. His eyes are way too far apart. And you read stuff about how it was rushed and stuff like that. But I don't care. It looks fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but like, you know what? You know what? My question was while watching it. Like I said, it was always jarring, even as a kid twenty years ago. It's it's. 
somehow just as inexplicable yes. like 20 years later yes but like that feel like feels like a moment like john peters and the spider thing whether it be superman uh. or wild wild west it just feels like some producer or executive was it like the kids love half animal half beast creatures mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. need that in our movie and like it just feels like because like I, like the whole time i'm watching this i'm like how cool would it have been to watch like the rock as he looked in the beginning of the film yeah fighting arnold Vosloo and brendan fraser how cool would that have been a three-way fight between them and instead, we get like a depowered Arnold Vosloo and a confused Brennan Fraser who doesn't know what he's interacting with, <laughs> and just like, and he's awkwardly like stabs him through the chest, like in the final moments of the movie. And I'm just like, what is going on? Okay, I'm just okay. like, this I, is, I'm so confused. This is okay. We have, we're there. We have. Shelly, to... I am Shelley Duvall in yeah. the signing. I am <laughs> very so confused. confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very confused. Uh, okay this this is the moment this whole like set piece at the end of the mummy returns is when i was just i think it's like from the i think it started when brendan fraser throws the dynamite at the pygmies on the tree on like the log and the pygmies fight over the dynamite and then it blows up the log they, and they no, all fall they march no they're mar- one of them catches it and they march across the thing as it explodes that is a yes. very comical yes. shot as well that is when it started that i i started laughing and i don't think i stopped laughing until the movie ended but the moment that i was rewinding and i lost it on is the shot where it's it's like you know full frame on the right side of the frame you have brendan fraser like hanging over the edge with the spear in the rock scorpion thing's chest. And that's how the shot starts, where it, like it's the cutaway or the reveal that, you know, Brendan Fraser has succeeded in stabbing him with the spear. And then in that shot, Imhotep runs in from, you know, the left of the frame, slides down on one knee, extends his hands, and goes, No! And it is the funniest fucking thing that I've seen in a long time that I rewatched it like a bunch. It is just so goddamn like canned and bad. And you could tell that neither Brendan Fraser nor Arnold Vosloo have any idea what they're supposed to be looking at. It is so goddamn funny. I recommend anybody who has access to the mummy returns, just go to the end at the end of the scorpion fight scene and watch this. It is so good. The way that Imhotep slides down on one knee, like he's about to propose and then holds his arms out. And he's like, no! And it's just, you can tell, it's like, what are we doing at this point? Like, what has the movie become? <laughs> I love like I like how you refer to him in that scene as the Scorpion Thing. Not the Scorpion <laughs> King, the Scorpion Thing. That is so appropriate. Like, like, I know you said that kind of like in the moment, but bravo, sir. Bravo. Yeah, that is the Scorpion, Scorpion thing. thing. Well done. Well done. Oh, man. But, but yeah, that and- whole end, I'm laughing hysterically. And it's like, it kept me going because there's a moment at the end in like last fight where like at a like Arnold uh, Vosloo and Brendan Fraser are fighting the scorpion thing and then for some reason Brendan Fraser is like oh I'm just going to take a break and read some hieroglyphics and he finds out that this that the thing that they've been Jonathan's been carrying around the whole movie turns out to be a spear and Brendan Fraser's yelling at, at Jonathan like the golden stick it's thing a spear! it's a spear it's a spear and Jonathan's response is to look at it and go nope doesn't look like one <laughs> 
And I'm, it just kept me going. And I'm like, this is fucking insane at the end of this movie. <laughs> movie so refreshing is that like it's just like it's like it's cotton candy cinema but but like not in a bad way though like this movie is good the second one is so goofy yet it's not like i'm trying to think of a modern example of this i guess we'll make this this is gonna be the never-ending punching bag of cinematis but the one two like cancerous punch of like Infinity War and Endgame, <laughs> sure, is like both movies are just dumb and like like they're they're dumb and goofy when you boil them down to their essence. Yes, but there's something infinitely less pretentious about the Mummy Returns. Oh yeah, and it's also like it's almost like there's like almost like an effervescence to it. Like it's just it's like bubbly. It's like oh god, it's it's almost like like, like a seltzer like on a cold like on a, like on a warm day. Sure, sure. Is that like it's not it's not gonna, like sure there's a little bit of bubble and fizz, and yet like on the other hand you have like the like the Avengers thing of just like the most like just like sugary, oh god like like leaves like this weird like tacky feeling in your mouth root beer, mm-hmm. and which is that where it's just like both like are like not that different at the end of the day. But one just weighs you down while the other one doesn't. One is Fresca. One is like dollar store root beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, that, that's a good way to put it. I mean that's how I, I would say I feel about like, you know, that this whole like ending bit that I've been discussing where it's, it, it just is so kind of, you know, just, just bubbly and it just keeps going and I'm laughing at it and I'm just riding the train. And it, it's good. It's fun. <laughs> but even that ending where like, like they like, – what? Brennan Fraser stab like basically oh god impales the scorpion thing, mm-hmm. and then like what the floor opens up like after Arnold Boss does this weird like sort of like risky business slide, <laughs> yeah. and then like like Rick like Rick O'Connell Imhotep like gets sucked into the ground where it's like this weird sort of just like what like there's the tool video for you Rob like like this like infinite chasm of just like but I I don't know what they even call it like things like this yeah. bodies yep like 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 clinging to them. And like Evie saves Rick O'Connell, and Imhotep's just yelling at a knox in the moon, yep. and she just runs away, inexplicably runs away. Yes, it's it is that is very strange, but that's the point where I'm laughing at it, and then I'm like, I, but I think in like real time, if you had recorded me watching The Mummy Returns, I'm just like laughing constantly ever since the pygmies got blown up. Because we also have to say that after the pygmies get blown up, we have a scene of Brendan Fraser outrunning the sun. Um, and, then, and, then, and then at the end of the movie, when like, like he's like, Anak Sunaman, he's like, Anak Sunaman. And I'm just like giggling. And then my giggle gets like slightly sad. Like I'm like, oh, no, no, I feel bad for him. <laughs> then she dies. Then Rachel Weiss out of nowhere is like, you want to know what heaven looks like? And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, but you have the part where like the entire jungle gets sucked into the like the pyramid oh, yes that and too. then like we see a then we see a pygmy go like flying around the thing yeah. and it's getting sucked in it's, jonathan it's like, stealing what? the giant diamond at, when they're flying away yep. on their fucking like like airship Air <laughs> which they somehow they say gets like punctured and blows up and and who who's the pilot's name izzy 
Izzy. We have Benny and Izzy. They couldn't think of another different freaking name. <laughs> yeah. Benny and Izzy. And they're like, and, and Izzy is like, how am I going to fix this? I need like hot air. And he's like, you can figure it out. It's like, what? And then like, he's a deus ex machina. He just shows up to save them. Yep. And it's like, like you said, ends with Rachel Vice be like, you want to know what heaven's like? And then like, it just ends. And it's just like, what? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I, I could not, because I know it came up not recently, but a little while back, uh, and it'll, it'll always, always be in my mind. But at the end of the movie, when Rachel Weisz is like, would you like to know what heaven looks like? The only thing I really wanted her to say was, do you know the number to heaven? <laughs> 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 because the, that would have been great when Rachel Weisz gets stabbed, and then the little kid could have been like, I miss mom. And <laughs> Imhotep or something <laughs> being like, you know the number to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> But can we talk about that moment? Like, okay, we have the part where the, like, they're trying to outrun the pygmies. They stop the pygmies by running across, like, the log bridge. Yes. Brendan Fraser then, shoots some pygmies that fucking explode when he shoots them, which is yeah. very good. <laughs> but, like, they're, like – and the kid's just like, Dad, Mom, I have to get the thing or else, like, the, the bracelet will kill me? It's yeah, it's going to, like, suck how... his life essence or something. Sure. It's like whatever. Um, and so they, they get there and do that. And, like, Brendan Fraser outruns the sun. They get there. And then, like, Evie's like, oh, they made it. Then a Knox in the Moon shows up, shanks her, and walks away. Yep. Only for five seconds later for Rachel Weiss to be brought back to life. Yes. In, and they, It's like, what's the point? They bring her back to life. I'm pre- I think they bring her back to life by recreating the scene from the end of the first movie where someone is fighting somebody else and has to explain how to pronounce a hieroglyph yes. to somebody and, and else. And it's the exact same hieroglyph again. I did I, – I kind of appreciated that a little bit more that in the first movie, Rachel Weiss has to explain to Jonathan what the last symbol is. And then in the sequel, Jonathan has to explain to the kid what the same symbol is. So there is – I like that nod. I feel like I would have hated it more if it was a different symbol or not Jonathan because it's like, oh, okay, I understand sure. why Fair. Jonathan would have known that, you know? And he, he sure. even gets so excited. He's like, oh, I know that one. And he, it's like – it's, I'm like I'm like fucking celebrate later when you've brought your sister back to life. <laughs> but like I don't get why that even needs to happen in the movie. It's just like it's artificial like, oh, dramatic oh, yeah. stakes. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. It's like you you kill her off for five minutes just to bring her back. It's just to give Jonathan. It's, what happened was when they were writing the script, like oh Brendan Fraser's off doing Brendan Fraser things, and it's like oh what do we have the other two characters doing? Uh, we don't have anything for them. Even like the Magi character. He just walks out of the movie after the second act yeah. as he just fights in the desert and does nothing. Like, you could completely cut that subplot out. My falcon was killed. I need to leave the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. He's like, my, you promised to get my boy back. And he's like, uh, you're right. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, because like, that I, scene is ridiculous because the guy, the guy is like, I need – he's like, my falcon is dead. I need to leave you guys so I can tell – the army that will fight the other army where to be so we can successfully fight the army. And Brendan Fraser's like, fuck you. That doesn't matter. My kid matters. And I'm like, no, Brendan Fraser, you got a team of like four people. You do not need one more person. You should be like, we need the army in the right place. <laughs> but like, can we, I, that makes no sense to that entire scene. Because like, oh, the, the army of Anubis rises from the sand. It's made out of sand. And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, oh. So you're telling me just because you decapitate them, they're not going to reform eventually? Yeah. And, like, that's yeah. exactly what happens. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like, there's no stakes to it. Like, not that's the thing. It's yep. just, like, I think what happened was they probably had a first draft of this or maybe just, like, an outline. They're like, oh, crap, this is going to be, like, a 60-minute movie. 
Mm, like okay. there's no reason why you couldn't condense. Like there's no reason this why this movie is two hours and ten minutes. This should have been like an eighty-five minute movie. Well, Zach, like I, just, I just think burn the fat. You are no, no. There, this is a lean movie. Because are you telling me that we don't need comical scenes of "Are we there yet?" between the child and uh, <sighs> Mister Echo from Lost on the train? Are you telling me that we don't need that scene? That is a vital scene of the are we there yet? Are we there yet? That is key to this movie, Zach. <laughs> but, like, you know what's so funny? Like, I didn't – like, like that part – those sort of moments are horrible. But, like, the moment where he goes and, like, stabs – like, stabs – it tries to stab his hand. He's like, oh, great aim. What do you mean? I miss. Like, oh, that's clever. Like, that's a, that is a witty, like, bit. And then even when the kid goes to the bathroom and he's like, oh, he pulls the toilet out in order to escape. I'm like, oh, that's like that's a clever thing. It's just like the like the like the weird sort of just like moments there, just like other moments there, just like cliched and sandwiched in there. Those are the moments that drive me nuts. Okay, okay. I I have I'm, to say I think I hated everything with the kid. One of my notes know, is when the I movie know. started. Oh, I I said, oh no, I forgot they have a kid in this one. I am not happy. <laughs> No, the kid, the kid, the kid's not is like, oh god, horrendous. Is yes. one would like he's not that bad. Like he's tolerable. Like you can get past him. Yeah, the like, performance like, wasn't terrible, which I was, I was much more relieved about. It's just the fact that the kid is in there, and I was so angry after they outrun the sun at the end. The kid gets the bracelet off and he just throws it away, and I'm like, you fucking loser! Why would you do that? <laughs> Give it to your father. We clearly don't want anyone else to have this. But the thing about it, too, is that, like, what point... Like, everything in this movie feels like a weird MacGuffin, and that, like, everything is just a catalyst to get to the next thing. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's like, what is the plot of this movie? Is that, like, oh, like, like try to explain the plot of this movie. It's like, okay, um, there's, there's, there's a mummy. Like, Imhotep, like, is, like, is back to life somehow. And like, why did like, what what is the plot of this movie? I think like, the plot oh, is not... lady Money? fight. Lady fight. We have lady two fight. lady fights. <laughs> that is what the movie builds to. We get past lady fight. That makes no fucking sense because it's just a, like a Mortal Kombat scene where the crowd that is clapping. Was, <laughs> random that points. Was, that was at least like the first lady fight. At least between like the costumes, the sat- decoration, location. That was at least engaging. Like it was at least different. Like it's it's so much better than just having a uh, Magi Man and Brendan Fraser just shooting things. At least that is different. Like I will always appreciate a choreographed sword fight over just shooting CGI creation. Like, sure, uh, sure. Creation. So so you agree that that's the plot of the movie, Lady Fight? <laughs> Lady Fight? No, I think that's like like uh, uh, oh god, a spotlight moment because that's on the poster. Oh, okay, okay. My, I have to just say real quick, my note, during all the lines that I wrote down of when I was hysterically laughing at the end of the movie, one of my notes is just lady fight. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, like, but again, like, it's just, like, I just don't, like, what is going on in the second movie? Like, it, it's like, okay, what, what is anyone's motivation? It's like, okay, who are the guys in the red robes? Who are they? It's like, it's like, oh, a Knox in the Moon came back. Nope, nope. She's reincarnated in Knox yes, in the Moon. Yes. It's like, then why is he trying to bring the other why is he trying to bring the mummy her mummy back in the first movie? It's like, oh, why didn't he Imhotep back? 
because they need to uh, unlock the Scorpion King's army? It's like, no, it's Anubis's army. What point does the Scorpion King have any of this? <laughs> Is that like, like you could literally, it feels like the school, like the rock went to the producers of this movie. and was like, Oh, I want to be in this movie. They're like, okay, we'll figure it out. Cause you can take out the prologue. Yes. And basically just have the movie end the same way the first one ends. Just with Imhotep and, and Brennan Fraser fighting each other. Yeah, and that, that would be fine. I have no problem with them having to do a little team up at the end, but they're also still at odds because it's some some convoluted nonsense of like whoever kills the scorpion thing gets to control Anubis's army, and Imhotep wants to control the army for some reason, and Brendan Fraser wants to control it so he can send it back to the underworld. I think that's the idea. I like that little team up, but they're still at odds, and it would be fine with what you just said to get to that same point. But, like, this is the thing I can't figure out about this movie, and it seems like such an easy fix. And you could have very easily made this a much more interesting movie by this slight change. What you do is you have – you keep the beginning. You keep the entire thing where you have the people in the red robes who were never explained to who they are. We never know what it is they're trying to do. Other than just evil acolytes. But yeah. what they should have like, – we should have figured like, – the, the big like reveal at the end of the first act, instead of stealing the kid, should have been, oh, they brought Imhotep back to life in order to fight the Scorpion King. Sure, because he's it's got like, the force, yeah. Exactly, and that's what they should have done. And then we should have had our good guys and our bad guys from the first movie – fighting like like fighting together to prevent this from happening mm-hmm. and then it's like oh crap like the scorpion king is like reawakened but then emotep gets the power and then like the third act is we have to stop emotep sure sure like that should have been it like the first two act the first act is oh crap like what's gonna happen like oh we brought emotep back the second act is we have to unwillingly like like or what's the word um not unwittingly. Um, we have to kind of uh, begrudgingly work together sure. to stop this thing from happening. Yeah. And then it happens at the end of the second act. And then, like, oh, crap. Like, halfway through the third act, oh, crap. Like, like Imhotep, like, now has the power. We have to stop him from getting it. And yet, like, we get this weird sort of just, like, amalgamation of just, like, rehashed things from the first movie. Yes. That fix is great because we we do have a Noxuna Moon be in like you know maybe the uh the third act so we still get our lady fight but we could introduce that the scorpion thing has a lover as well so we get another lady fight in the second act <laughs> that would be perfect zach we fixed it okay right on <laughs> I, it just it just feels like everything with the rock was added in post-production it, it feels really like does, they had a, yeah. it feels like they had a completely different movie in mind and then like something something either the studio or the rocks people like, or maybe a little bit of both was like, Oh, let's get him involved with this. Yeah. Because nothing from that prologue has really anything to do with the beginning of the movie. And like we said, the effects for the scorpion thing were rushed so bad. It's like, Oh, okay. And Mm -hmm. I just don't get why they just couldn't have the rock on set. Yep. Yep. Unless they already filmed the entire movie and they had like this, like maybe they just fought a giant scorpion creature. Maybe that was the like maybe it was like a, just like, like a scorpion creature, a giant scorpion creature, and so it was like okay, so they didn't have to reanimate the whole thing. All they did was cut it in half and just like awkwardly mat like the torso of the rock onto a yeah, scorpion. Yeah, yeah, could be. I mean, that, I definitely agree with you that it seems like they wanted to shoehorn the rock in here um, because as we as Ben and I have talked about before, the rock did want to get into acting. But I I think that, you know, I don't know the exact history, but, you know, they play it as a 
because he he does the he does the uh as the scorpion king it looks terrible because it's ridiculously terrible cgi but the the rock as the scorpion thing does like the uh the rock raise the eyebrow type of thing like he might mm-hmm. as well have said can you smell what the scorpion king is cooking like he he probably does the people's elbow somebody somewhere in that fight scene i just missed it because i was laughing so hard like it definitely seems like it's like hey the rock has some notoriety we can use that in this like you know in this eight minute sequence or something well yeah it was you you were making a sequel to an unexpected like smash film from two years earlier yes like think about like any movie like that has a sequel turnaround especially an unexpected hit where it wasn't like planned out like today's like like blockbuster franchises are was always gonna have issues because it was just basically it was a mad i think in one of the things i read like steven summers the director of both of these was that like by the end like sunday night after the opening weekend of the first one the studio was like okay we want another one. Oh, i loved reading that that the the legend has it that uh i've from the few the most consistent one i found is that the day after the mummy came out a Universal Studio executive called Steven Summers and just said, "We need another one." <laughs> yeah, that, and I was like, like "That is wonderful." <laughs> but like, that's what used to happen, though. Like, yep. it's like oh, yeah. this—it's not like what happens today, where like everything is planned out, a la like God, Star Wars, Marvel, DC, the the, the Hunger Games, it, Harry Potter. Is that like you would have a movie that was meant to be a one-off? It did like exceedingly well beyond anybody's wildest dreams and it's like okay we gotta put a sequel into production as fast as humanly possible yep, it yep. doesn't matter if it makes no sense or it's regurgitated we just need the product out there oh yeah before yeah. people forget about it and that was kind of rare back in the day to have something turned around that fast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah like no like and, and that's like that's such a thing like, you, like steven somers has a really weird career in that like like he had a couple of like decent films before the mummy yeah and then, like, he has the mummy, unexpected success. The sequel does better than the first one does. Yeah. And then, like, they're like, okay, here's your blank check. Here's Van Helsing. That w- and- my headcanon is that the when the studio executive called Steven Summers and said, we need another one, his response, of, his response was, I guess I'll hold off on Van Helsing. <laughs> but, like, from what I was, like, it's weird because this was, like, again, this is, like, the early 2000s. This is before, like like franchise thing was really big outside mm. of like your major properties. Like the thing was that like, Oh, like he was trying to put together like, like, of like what they tried with the Tom Cruise mummy. Show me the mummy. Like a monster verse. Yes. Yes. Some and might call it, it a dark universe, Zach. <laughs> well, well, that's a little premature to time, Rob. I take another decade from the think of that terminology. <laughs> They oh, were God. like, we might what should we about- call it? a dim universe, a poorly lit universe? And then 10 years later, <laughs> oh, dark universe. <laughs> oh, God. Can, I, can um, I just say, I have to get it out here. Van Helsing, I hate that movie so much. It hurts. Like, my heart does not beat right when I think about that movie. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate okay. that movie. I, 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 I'm conflicted about that movie. Because, like, when that movie came <laughs> Like I think I've talked to Rob about this. Like I think we've, I, I think we've even hinted at doing it maybe as like its own like series. Just Van Helsing. Like, yes, we've definitely discussed that. <laughs> yes, Rob. Just Van Helsing. <laughs> but like we've talked about like like doing like movies. We like we love this kid. Then we w- went back and watched them as adults, and we're like, oh god, this is abhorrent. Um, yes. I think we've talked about doing that. And Van Helsing is one of those movies where, like, when that came out, like, in the summer of 2004, 
I just drank the Kool-Aid hard on it. Right, I had all the toys. Oh, yeah. I had I had Van Helsing's bowcaster. I had Castle uh, Dracula. I had all the figures. Like I was just like I ate it up. And then like I maybe two years ago I got it on Blu-ray because like I got it as a DVD. Um, when it first came out, but it was like full screen. It was really like like that. I remember rewatching it for the first time easily like in fifteen years and being like, oh. <laughs> oh, this is this is oh, like I don't hate it as much as raw. Like I don't hate it. Like I think it just it's just bland. Um, but like I just remember being like, oh god, Ugh. like I even like that year for Halloween two thousand four. I went as Van Helsing. Like I had the costume, I had the hat. Um, I even had his little blades that he like 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 charges up. And I just remember just being like, and just watching it again, just being like, oh god, like this is ugh, this is a mess. This is a goddamn mess. I was on board um, for it too. I'm glad you mentioned that. I saw. I remember seeing that in theaters. I was so into the like, you know, all these different properties in one movie. You know, that was. I mean, I, I was also into League of Extraordinary Gentlemen for that reason. Um, but I did the same thing. I rewatched Van Helsing for some goddamn reason, like two years ago, and I hated it so much. And I like. Like, the fucking Igor character, who's, like, Van Helsing's sidekick slash Q-type character. I no, not Igor. That was the monk. The monk. Fr- the, m- the friar or the monk. Oh, sure. I guess I, I, I'm thinking— Igor was Dracula's one, was the—in was the in that movie. Okay, Dracula's, okay. like, second-hand man. So, yeah, whoever whoever Van Helsing's, like, sidekick slash Q character was, I was, like, I, I actively want this person to die. Like, I hated his performance so yeah. much, I was, like, I am ready— to bully someone off of Twitter. <laughs> like, I hated it so goddamn much. It was a nightmare. I was so upset. <laughs> yeah, Van Helsing, like, it's weird. Like, Stephen Summers is, like, one of those filmmakers that went from, like, being on top of the world. Like, he, like, he does his blank check with Van Helsing. It bounces. And then, like, he's, like, like five years goes by. And he gets another shot, like, a huge property. Gajo, Rise of the Cobra. Yeah. And it's And it's, like... I remember liking that when that came out, like, how many years ago? Yeah. But, like, I know I would hate that movie if I rewatched it. I, I know. Like, I have it on Blu-ray. I, I can tell you, like, I, like, if I go into it, list, like, kind of, like, like accepting it's awful, because I remember some really goofy parts from that movie. But, yeah, like, Steven, he pretty much just dropped off the face of the earth. Yep. Like, oh, yeah. for 10 years, he directed four major studio blockbusters. Two of which, like, I think Good Joe made money. It just didn't make as much money as the studio wanted. It was one of those ones where, like, it, like, it came out the same year as Transformers, I think, um, mm. like, Revenge of the Fallen Moon. Okay, okay. And, like, it's just, like, it made money. It just did not make, like, a billion dollars. So, like, it yeah. just kind of got, it, it got, it, it kind of fell in that weird sort of just, like, relative thing. And the guy just disappeared. I think he's only worked on a couple things since then. But, like, man, like, talk about a very odd career. Absolutely. Like in the span of a decade, just losing all clout. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do want to. I have some stuff I found. I want to talk about with the um the the behind the scenes of the mummy. But we will talk about this more later in this series. But do you know who directed the third one, the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor? Oh, oh, oh! I feel like I should know this. Can you give me another movie they directed? It's one we will talk about in the 2001 Fort Year that I am not excited for, which I realize now does not oh. narrow it down. Joe Johnson. <laughs> Joe Johnston? Nope. You want one more guess? No, you want me to tell you? Yeah. Oh, you're not excited for that, I, I realize now that doesn't narrow it down because I'm not we said I'm not excited for most of them. <laughs> I'm trying to think in the fort year, like what? Like 
It's got to be an inexplicable one. Like the guy who did did the Fast and the Furious? Yeah, Rob Cohen. He directs the third one. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I yep. figured. Yep. So we will you know talk why. more about him he's a, he's later a company, in the series. He's a company. It, it's a company man thing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because it's universal. They're both universal movies. It's a company man thing. Yep. Makes perfect sense. Yes. So so I, I was looking a little bit back into like the uh, how this ended up the mummy ended up getting made and stuff like that because you know i i feel like universal is always in the back of their head even you know around in the 90s and probably forever have always wanted to do stuff with their monsters you know pre dark universe and stuff like that um the the like the the myth slash legend that i could gather from what i found is that uh this movie had they kept trying to make it like the script was written by whoever the people were that I didn't write down, unfortunately, in, like, the very early 90s, and Universal really wants to do something with this. It goes through so many directors. The one that stood out to me the most is that apparently Joe Dante was attached at a certain point, and Daniel Day-Lewis was going to play The Mummy. Would fucking love to see that movie. Daniel Day-Lewis in a Joe Dante film, I would would pay to see, (laughs) but... (laughs) I, they they kept trying to make it, and nothing ever like came to fruition since all the way back in the early '90s. And apparently, Stephen Summers always wanted to make a mummy movie. Like in interviews with yeah. him, he talked about how like as a kid he loved the mummy and stuff like that. And he he keeps trying to get involved with it, but they always had other directors, like big famous directors, attached. And he eventually like makes a push to get into it, and he he finds a way in. From what I found, the it seems that Babe Pig in the City bombs, which it never should have, as we okay. know. That's a wonderful movie that yes. we will talk eight Indeed. hours about one day. Um, Babe Pig in the City bombs. The Universal Studio management changes pretty soon after that, and they go, okay, we can't do these recent properties. We really need to revitalize our, like, monsters. And so they give the mummy the green light to Stephen Summers, and that's how it gets made. But I love that there's some connection that why does this movie exist? Because Babe Pig in the City didn't do well because George Miller wanted to make a talking animal movie that is like, what if Mad Max and Ennui mixed together in a city that makes no sense. That's a wonderful movie that we'll talk about. But I love that Babe Pig of the City caused the mummy in some sense. <laughs> <laughs> why not? Oh, then why not? But One of those you... weird sort of just decisions in Hollywood that just had a weird trickle-down effect. Yes, but could you imagine Joe Dante directing Daniel Day-Lewis? If that's even possible. <laughs> I don't know if anybody like, can direct they... Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> But that's the thing. Daniel Day-Lewis is so weird. Yes. Like, I could see him doing that and just steamrolling Dante. I could Absolutely. see him. Because I've heard Dante – I've heard Dante, like, pretty much goes with the flow and he's kind of, like, passive with a lot of things, especially with, like, domineering personalities unless he's left – unless he's very, like, deliberately left alone. Yeah, yeah. It's, like it's we talked about in our sounds. Gremlins 2 episode way back when. Yeah. 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 And then, like, you hear stories about, like, Looney Tunes back in action where he just got so frustrated. He's like, fine. Do whatever you want. I don't care. That's my – that's my, like – Biggest disappointment hearing about that movie because I I honestly do love Looney Tunes back in action and it is very upsetting to hear about like all the problems Joe Dante had with that movie and I'm like no I wanted to be I wanted to be all him it's such a great movie <laughs> yeah that's yeah so like I said uh, fascinating but I don't know like the mo- like this like, it's, like like at some point like Rob knows like, I've wanted to talk about the Tom Cruise mummy forever like it like ever since that like we've started the podcast that's always been in the spreadsheet it yes. shows up usually it's in some incarnation of monstober like it, they just don't know what to do with it that's mm-hmm. the problem with this it. like it's like even like if you you've never seen that have you no but I, I i do want to say that the person that i got the mummy movie files from 
he uses this like this like weird I don't know the name of the program but he uses this like metadata type collector so if he has a film he has this software that will basically like take the title and it'll like uh, scrape the internet for you know things related to it so from what I've gathered from other files I've gotten from him if he has a movie this metadata thing will like put in a folder and then find you know like the uh, an image of the poster it'll find like an image of the DVD art and it'll gather all these but it will find trailers and this program that he had found the trailer oh, yeah. for the Tom yeah, Cruise yeah, mummy. Yeah, yeah. And so in on my hard drive, I have a folder for the original mummy with Brendan Fraser. And then the thing labeled the mummy trailer is the Tom Cruise trailer. And I, I watched, yeah. I finished the mummy and like the trailer just played next because it was the other video file in that folder. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll check out the trailer. I got two minutes. And then it starts and Tom Cruise in there. And I'm like, nope, back, cancel, don't care. <laughs> Have you ever heard that story where like like Universal like delay like like uploaded the wrong trailer? And it was only with like just like oh god, fully sound effects. Yes, and nothing else. with the Tom Cruise scream. The yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've definitely yep. heard. Yeah, yeah. No. That's the most yeah. I've seen of the mummy is that that stuff. <laughs> but like even with that movie, they even like they think about it. In the Brent the first the mummy, the Bren Fraser one, we have the giant sand like sand dude like what sand cloud that takes the face of Imhotep. Yep. And the second one, we have the water that takes his face. Yep. And the third one, we have the mummy character who does the exact same thing but in London. Sure. Okay. Like they, okay. I, they've run out of ideas. Like I mean, just like. Like, it shouldn't be that hard to write a new take on The Mummy. Like, it's yeah. literally just a character. It's a mummified corpse. It shouldn't be that hard to not have to steal from something three times in a row. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> it should be. It's like literally, like, if you want to come up with movie ideas, just come up with a basic outline. Two sentences. Three would be great. Like, a mound of cocaine. Lock someone in a hotel room <laughs> for a week, and you will have a great idea. Not even a week. I'll boil it down to a weekend. Sure, sure. Oh gosh. <laughs> but yeah, so like I know we talk. I'm trying to think because like the second movie has a lot of goofiness to it. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we've talked about, we appreciate it. But that first movie, though, like that first movie, it's interesting how like like these movies still kind of exist in the pop culture. Oh yeah, yeah. But but they're very very like in the background because like yes. I remember it's one of the very few times that like I actually had a YouTube comment. Like get a lot of traction. I remember when that first trailer was released, not the like or for the Tom Cruise moment, not the one with, like the weird sound mixing, but like the actual genuine trailer. I like commented, I miss Brendan Fraser. And it got like something like two like two or three thousand like upvotes. Okay. Whatever it's called on YouTube. And being like, Oh, the fact that people remember that, like God, fifteen years okay, I guess what, ten years later after the the last Brendan Fraser movie came out, I really don't count like, Dragon Emperor just goes to show that these movies are still popular yeah yeah like i i just wonder like like is there a demand for another one of these with brendan fraser like is there a demand for it because like it seems like if a tom cruise even though that tom cruise mummy movie wasn't like objectively speaking very good i can't imagine another mummy property being received well like it's weird to think that brendan fraser is kind of tied into this property now forever yeah yeah i would you say that this is the if you think of brendan fraser this is the thing people know him best from 
I don't know, because like he was also George of the Jungle. Yep. He and Sino Man, uh, like I mentioned. Well, what's the movie with him? School Ties? That's with him, right? I think it's School Ties, it's called. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like Bedazzled. I was somewhere in the last like like I think six months and someone's like, Yeah, I love Bedazzled with Brent Fraser. And I'm like, (laughs) that is something that's never been said in the last ten years. Those those words said in that phrase, in that particular like syntax (laughs) has never been said in the last decade, at least. So like like Brendan Fraser is still well known. Like even I was talking to someone about this. (laughs) And I was telling them, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm like, like, I'm watching like the Brendan Fraser mummy movies. And they're like, oh, yeah, like the guy from Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, yep. Yeah. Like, like, and that's what I mean, though, is like, I think in a way he has become the star of the mummy franchise more than mummy. Sure, sure. Like, it, like it, it, it's like it's like how the Terminator is no longer like is no longer about an evil robot. It's the Arnold Schwarzenegger show. Yeah. No matter how you cut it and maybe not to that sort of extreme. But like it's Brendan, like it's kind of like um, Spider Man. Is it like for at least another twenty years when people think of Spider Man, like your normies, not like your your Marvel devotee, the devotees, people will always think of Spider Man as Tobey Maguire. Oh yeah, it's just it's it, it's embedded in the nature in the, just the fabric of the character. Sure, and sure. that's just kind of what it is. It, that's what it, and I think that's the problem now. With, with if you even want to call it a franchise, um, <laughs> yeah. is that I I don't I don't think you could do ever do another mummy thing without Brendan people asking because like even though it was to the film like to the mummy and mummy returns a success that they basically shifted it away from a horror genre to an action adventure. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can ever go back to it. I don't think you can go make that franchise go back to horror unless you get really lucky and do something very psychologically thriller-esque with it. Kind of like what happened with that like Invisible Man thing that came out last year, like where they're like, oh, they took this very schlocky premise from like how many years, not premise, but like, have you ever seen the original Invisible Man? Yes. Like, it is very odd. Like, it's not a horror movie. It's very, it's basically just a horny man that can turn invisible. That's what it is. (laughs) And they basically turn that on its head where like, oh, he's a, it's basically Hollow Man 2. Yeah. Like, that's essentially what it is. And it's like, okay, and that film did okay, only because it had like a $15 budget. Yes, absolutely. And and that's the thing. Like every time they try doing things with these monster characters, it falls on its face. Like whether it be like Van Helsing technically was the last genuine success of yep. this. Yep. Because obviously and then you have things like Dracula and Toll Bombed. And it's like, okay, we're never gonna get our Angelina Jolie, Bride of Frankenstein, we're not gonna get our Johnny Depp Invisible Man. <laughs> um I would imagine I would imagine the studios wish Johnny Depp was invisible now. But <laughs> Uh, Russell Crowe is uh, Dr. Jekyll. Okay. I was trying Javier to remember Bardem who he was. Javier is, yeah. is Frankenstein. Okay. Frankenstein's monster. God. Yeah. I, that's, I definitely was never interested in any of that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think if they did another mummy with – well, we when we – in a little bit, we're going to talk more about Brendan Fraser. I don't think he would be the star of another mummy movie unless it was very different from these action ones. But I think people would absolutely go see it. Well, well, go go know. see like, it in the a... sense of what that means in the modern era. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know though. Like you, I think at this point, if you were to get him back in, in, into like the franchise, if they ever want to, you would have to do another like kind of like tonal shift again. And I think it would have to yeah, be like yeah. almost like Harrison Ford Force Awakens. It would oh, have to be like that. Me- it would absolutely. have to be the mentor character. Like again. Like, you could do that with him, but you'd have to cast at least one of the kids from Stranger Things mm-hmm. um, and and somebody else, and he'd have to be, like, the mentor character. 
Absolutely. Oh, 100%. That's how they do it. And that I think that's the only way Brandon Fraser would do it. Um, but I to go back to what you said about your comment that, you know, was was heavily, um, you know, applauded by the YouTube community. I, I definitely think Brandon Fraser became some he went through these weird like ebbs and flows of between a positive and negative meme like. There was yeah. uh, so we're gonna have to talk about his clap at the Golden Globes. That I feel like oh, that that is a oh. big a big part of Brendan Fraser, where you know Brendan Fraser becomes this movie star. Maybe let's say just for the sake of argument, everybody knows him from the Mummy movies, and then as time goes on, you know he starts to just be in the most ridiculous nonsense. Like I guess what Furry Vengeance counts as one of those. Oh yeah. He has oh, the yeah. clap at the Golden Globes. He comes off as the most awkward person in interviews, and the internet is like, "Look at this dork! Like, look at Brendan Fraser. He's such a dork." He disappears. People start to go like, "What happened to that dorky Brendan Fraser?" And then the internet realizes, "Oh my God, his personal life is incredibly depressing." And then we get this resurgence, I would say, maybe for the last five years, where people are like, bring Brendan Fraser back. We want to see him again. We want him to be happy. And so it went from him being, like, you know, made fun of on the internet to, oh, no, maybe we shouldn't make fun of Brendan Fraser. Maybe we actually love him, which I think we should because he's great. I love him in all these movies. And and so he has this weird kind of role is, like, even when he left as a leading man— he became like a meme and stuff like that, and I and now he's in this place where people are like, you know, let's do it. Um, but we we have to mention because I I talked about it in our Monkey Bone episode that we would get to Brendan Fraser later this series, and this is the time. Oh my God, is his he had a rough time in in the two thousands, just from his physical health being completely deteriorated by like from what I've read. He does every stunt of his unless he is, like, physically restrained from doing it. Like, if the studio is like, you cannot do this stunt, that's the only time he won't do a stunt. He's had so many surgeries because of, like, the wear and tear on his body from all all the stuff that he's done. He has so many legal battles from his divorce and, like, trying to, you know, be able to see his kids and stuff like that. I think the most famous one in this modern era is that he is the victim of sexual assault that took a heavy toll on him. That interview that he does with Entertainment Tonight where he talks about the Me Too movement is, like, heartbreaking. He is so emotional about it. E.T. Canada spoke to Brendan just last month with Mira Servino, his co-star in the upcoming FX drama Trust. Mira, of course, has her own Me Too story in regards to Harvey Weinstein. And when asked about the Me Too movement, Brendan became visibly emotional. I'm hopeful that good can come of this. There's a notion that in the world there's poison, and I'm no chemist, but I do know that that poison can be useful towards making medicine. Interesting, sort of like a vaccine. I'm hopeful that some good will come out of it. And then it's just like he has the saddest personal life, and it is so upsetting because everybody know everybody should love Brendan Fraser everybody and honestly as far as i'm concerned i love the clap at the golden globes i think he looks so happy he looks like he's having so much fun the clap is in response to robert de niro making a joke about martin scorsese having sex with film stock it's not a great joke but brendan fraser loved it I know he's having fun. I want to see him have more I for, fun. <laughs> I forgot about that. I, I forgot. I, I, I guess funny. as soon as you brought it up, I knew exactly what you were referencing. <laughs> but that I completely forgot about that. The clap. Yes. Not the disease. The, when, you, when people say the clap, 
we have to specify are we talking about the like, disease I just did it. <laughs> like i just did it dude. yes yes it, it's a... <laughs> i wish i could put a video clip into this episode because everybody once you see it you're like that yes the clap <laughs> It's like one of those fantastic like reaction shots at like one of these awards ceremonies yeah. that's just caught on film. It's like what was the one? Oh, guys, is it Chrissy Teigen who has like the look? She's like, like kind of like, like half blinking and like she just has like like the half smile. Yep. She's just kind of like yep. Like it's just one of those. Per- it's it's pure nothing short of a miracle. It's pure magic that we captured it on film. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, I had to. I remembered the clap. I had to find, like, footage from the 2010 Golden Globes because I was like, what is he actually responding to? And like I said, it is Robert De Niro making a joke about Martin Scorsese having sex with film stock. It is not a good joke, I think. It comes off so stupid. And for some reason, Brendan Fraser loves it. (laughs) Of course he does. Marty is more than a filmmaker. He's a champion of film. As the founder and chair of the Film Foundation, he's pioneered rescuing and preserving our film legacy. Marty eats, drinks, and sleeps film. I hear there are videos on the internet of Marty having sex with film. (laughs) A hot reel of 35 millimeter stock. Black and white emulsion. Side down, hard to pass up. Hey, Marty. But I think the thing about, like, like, giving Brendan Fraser back his career... Is it like he's such known? Like he's so known now as a goofball. Yes, I like he, like this is like he can do a really good job. At tra- He'd have to do like almost like a, oh god, like a Adam Sandler uncut gems, like kind of mm-hmm. like just like a shift. Yeah, yeah. Like he'd have to take a hard turn back into dramatic roles, and I don't know if that's what the public wants from him. Like exactly. that's like, people want the people want the goofball. The problem is that, like, he went, he leaned so far into that with things like Furry Vengeance. Oh, yeah. That I don't know how you come back from it. Like, it's like, it's like the weird sort of like Jim Carrey thing now that, like, he leaned so far into the antics. Like, how do you, like, like, sh- like, has the pendulum shift back? And that's the issue. Is it like the only way I can think you could get him back into a mainstream way where you can have your cake and eat it too? And Rob's going to hate me for saying this, but it's kind of like the, the one size fits all for any actor that's kind of like on the outs. It's Marvel. You would have to put him in a Marvel property or something. Well, I do. I do hope... hate any reference of of Marvel, but I do have to say, uh, Brendan Fraser is working today, and he's on TV shows. And I have heard from people uh, that I know, and from you know reviews online, just people talking in the internet sphere. Um, he is on the show Doom Patrol, which I know fucking nothing about. Oh, and people say that he is good in that. And I'm I'm glad you bring this up because. If Brendan Fraser wants to get back in the game and be happy again, the the landscape for actors today seems to be this stupid superhero nonsense. And if he can find a place in that, good for him. I would I would like to see him do, like you said, something serious and something groundbreaking, like an Uncut Gems or something. Um, that might happen with The Whale. He's going to be in Aronofsky's next movie, playing an incredibly obese man. I don't know if you heard about this, Zach. But that no. might be it. But he's found his superhero place. Good for him. 
Josh I don't. Rosen, I don't yeah. like it, no, but good no, for him. No, no. A DC, a W, a, a oh God, I almost said WB, a CW <laughs> TV DCC. No, no, that is not finding your place. That's called making ends meet. There's a very, very well. Like, I think it's kind Paul of finding your place ca- in what the world has created for no people. That, does, that doesn't count. That doesn't. That doesn't count. That from doesn't a, count. From a it from an out, from a cinematic perspective, I agree with you. I think from the the global perspective, <laughs> that's where I'm coming from. But I see what you're saying. But like that's the thing. But it's like there's a difference between like finding your place and just making ends meet. Like uh, Paul Rudd being cast as Ant Man is like finding your place. Idris Elba as Heimdall is making ends meet. Sure. Yeah, I I see what you're saying, but I mean like Paul, neither Paul Rudd or Idris Elba were ever like out for so long, like Brendan Fraser was. No, no, but but that's what I mean. No, you can tell one was just trying. I just basically made a deal. Because think about it, Idris Elba held out. He could have been Black Panther one day. I see what you're saying. It's, okay, that, okay. It's, it's that he took the first deal that came across his desk, and he paid the price for that, for not holding out. Okay, okay. I, I, if I see Brendan Fraser hold out – like, Brendan Fraser is one of those, like, actors. Like, I would have loved – and there's still time. Like, like, in the Guardians of the Galaxy comics, there's Cosmo, like the talking dog. Sure. Brendan Fraser would be just as good of a voice actor for that type of character as, like, Bradley Cooper is for Rocket Raccoon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. Is that like you, you or you can? I, I don't know who you would sit there have Brendan Fraser play any of these movies, but like it would be something like that. Like you give Brendan Fraser something with a little bit of meat to it. Like he'd be a great like Green Lantern. Like I'm not not like one of the main ones. Not like Hal Jordan or anything like that. Sure, but just like one of them like in an ensemble. Kind of like how Nicolas Cage was what Spider Man Noir into the spy, in that Spider Verse yeah, into the Spider Verse. That's, that's a like, good point. Like that's what I mean. Like something like that. And that's the thing is that like I think uh, like a third rate DC WB show is not is no one's meal ticket. Uh, fair, I under, I understand what you're saying. I understand. Maybe it's gonna be he's gonna play the titular whale in Aronofsky's The Whale, which might not come out for years with whatever the hell's going on. Um, but I will see that. Not because just because Brendan Fraser in it, because I've seen all Aronofsky movies, so I got to see the next one. But maybe that'll be his comeback. We can only hold out hope. I think. I hope for Brendan Fraser's sake, because he seems like a, a, a good enough person. And I can also hold out hope that Aronofsky will put another ass to ass scene in one of his movies because he hasn't since Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> mm. Mm. Could you imagine if, if like the wrestler had Mickey Rourke saying like ass to ass? <laughs> Oh my god, Rob. Oh, it should be in god. Mother as well. <laughs> oh, mother. Kessel, so we never talked about that. Have no. we not talked about Mother yet on this podcast? We Rob? have only done one Aronofsky movie on Cinemodities, and you were not here for it, Zach. We did Black Swan. I know. <laughs> How have we not talked about Mother? I don't know. It's come up a few times, and we just never uh, never got to it. But we got to do I mean, we, well, we've talked about that and Noah a few times on this podcast. <laughs> oh, God. I only watched Noah. Oh, God. I got to watch Noah. I mean, Aronofsky would be a great director to cover because we can be like, Requiem for a Dream just is laugh. so depressing. And then laugh for the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Requiem for a Dream is like, wow, this movie makes me really sad about everything. And then just next episode, laugh riot at Noah. <laughs> I, did I tell you I got Requiem for a Dream on 4K Blu-ray? Ooh, no. Right on. I got, I have, I've never seen that movie. I figured the best way to watch it is on 4K Blu-ray yes, for the first time. Come yes. on. <laughs> I don't know what that reference is, Rob. I don't know what that reference is because I, I never watched it. Pull that clip up. So what are we going to do now? Ass to ass. to there's a character that just says ass to ass at the end of the movie, and it's wonderful. Rob's just like, I was so- – you had me at the first ass. 
You had me at hello. Show me the ass. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Folks, this is the only podcast where you can just like leapfrog from like, oh, you can go from like feeling bad about Brendan Fraser to talking <laughs> about ass to ass to talking about Marvel and DC. Beautiful. Ass to ass. So, the, the last thing about Brendan Fraser that I had never known, and of course it's, it's internet nonsense that it may or may not be true because I think this is one of the – I'll just say it and then I'll explain what I mean. Apparently, Brendan Fraser was considered for Superman that eventually went to Brandon Routh. I, I don't, once again, internet nonsense, this could not be true, but at the same time, the role of Superman might just be one of the things that, depending on what you read, everyone in the known universe was considered for Superman at some point, right? Like, any male actor. So, I, I don't know if Brandon Fraser would have been good as Superman. I don't think Bre- Brandon Routh was good as Superman. I don't like that movie, really. What is that? Superman Returns, I think, is that one. And that movie seems to have been forgotten completely by people. There's a great time a few, like, years ago when, I, like, some people that I was around were watching one of those DC shows, I think Legends of Tomorrow. And Brandon Routh was in it, and I was like, oh, is he Superman? And they were like, what? And I'm like, Brandon Routh, he played Superman. And the people were like, I literally don't remember that ever happening. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Kevin, I think Kevin Spacey was Lex Luthor, and they're like, this is not a movie. You are making this up, Rob. <laughs> you know what's weird about that? I'm pretty sure in one of those Legends of Tomorrow shows on, on this WB, mm-hmm. he actually have a multiverse episode, or whatever you want to call it. He actually does come back as Superman, like, even though he is oh. like another character on that show. Okay, they do go to him where he does show up, and I'm like, okay, like that's a neat homage. Um, fun fact about Superman Returns: This was another movie that like made a lot of money, but because it did not like it, it a cost too much money to make, and b it did not make as much money as like Batman Begins. That like they went they went again with another reboot. Yes. Like that's like everyone complains about like what's happening with DC right now when it comes to like like WB and War- I'm sorry Warner Brothers and like all the movie stuff when it comes to those characters. It's been going on forever mm-hmm, that they've mm-hmm. been reactive to everything when it comes to that property oh yeah like like anytime something slightly happens they just throw out everything like oh like we're gonna do uh we're gonna do a uh, batman movie because joel schumacher kind of ran into the ground <laughs> it's like, oh great and it's like oh that made a bunch of money and then like oh superman returns comes out the next year it's not as like warmly or not as like warmly received and it's like oh throw that out and then it's like okay we're gonna sit there do justice league mortal and we're going to completely ignore what Christopher Nolan's doing. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, Dark Knight comes out. Oh, and, and makes a ton of money. Well, we're going to throw George Miller's movie under the bus. And they've always done that with the DC stuff. Yeah, they've yeah. always just like they, – they don't commit to anything. They just do – they fly by the seat of their pants with that like franchise. And it's going to continue happening. Oh, yeah. They continue oh, 100%. happening. And I don't know why they threw away Joel Schumacher. You're telling me that the, the Batman cinematic universe – didn't need a bat credit card you telling me we didn't need that do you remember that scene where batman pulls out a bat credit card <laughs> you know what's so funny that scene to me is less egregious than wonder woman and batman v superman riding on turkish airlines <laughs> <laughs> like i just find the idea of, i just find that just hilarious like <laughs> say what you will like there is a like oh god i think was it batman robin is is better than Wonder Woman 1984. It's an objectively better movie. Mm, int- okay, okay. I uh, I haven't More seen effort either. More creativity. Sh- sure. Oh, 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 I 100% agree with you there. Absolutely. Um, even just I 
I haven't rewatched the Schumacher Batmans in so long, but I just, you know, I, I would love to revisit them just in the sense of now that you hear all the stories where it's like in Batman and Robin, if you see Mr. Freeze and you don't see his face, it is 100% not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like they had Schwarzenegger for like a day and a half and they filmed it all. Like I would love to revisit that. But I mean, I agree with you that the Bat credit card is not as egregious because I would consider the Bat credit card the greatest scene in cinematic history. <laughs> <laughs> Never leave home without it. <laughs> the, bat, the bat credit card. It's great. I mean, better than the bat nipples on the suits and stuff like that. The bat credit card. <laughs> oh, God. Schumacher. All right. All right. This is a fantastic mummy discussion. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of other things I have to say about this movie. Uh, sure. Movies. I mean, I guess, I guess other, other, uh, actors or performances in these movies. Um, I do love that, um, Okay, okay, so so I, I, mess, I messed this up earlier, I correct myself. The character Jonathan is played by John Hanna. The actor Jonathan Hyde is in this movie, who of course we know as Ismay from Titanic. He's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which it was good to see. He's one of the, he's the dude wearing the fez with the American group that goes to Hamanoptra. But I want to talk about Jonathan, who I do enjoy in these movies. He's like, you know, comic relief number 55 or whatever. Well, he's probably earlier in the list, but he's an ensemble of comic relief in this movie. When I rewatched these two movies, I guess these three, because he's one of the ones that returns for Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, I saw Jonathan, played by John Hanna, as Discount Hugh Laurie. I was like, this would have been a wonderful part for Hugh Laurie. But in 1999, Hugh Laurie was busy playing the father in Stuart Little. (laughs) (laughs) So if you had to choose, I mean, you go with Stuart Little, right? (laughs) But what did you, what do you think? What, 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 did you have any Hugh Laurie vibes? Because I got that that total. No, not at all. Oh, not at all. Okay. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge like Hugh Laurie. I never was. Like he, like, I know people like once they like. Yeah, I've never been a big Hugh Laurie fan. Um, I've always just seen him as as acting man. Like sure. a lot of people think he's the greatest thing ever. Like again, depends on like how big you got into House. I never liked that show. Um, like I remember I watched the first season when that came out like in 2004, and like I stopped caring about it after that. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I guess like, like a lot of these TV shows, man. Like I watch when they originally were on, and I'm like, okay, I got my film, I moved on. Um, it's like people who watch NCIS still, uh, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I watched that when they killed Kate at the end of season two, man. <laughs> I'm like, and you, you tell people now, I'm like, oh yeah, remember like Kate and all that? They're like, who? I'm like, Kate and all this. They're like, what are you talking? It's like Rob's thing about like Superman Returns. They're like, this isn't NCIS. And I'm like, yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and that's the thing. It's just that, like, no, like, I, I did not get, I, I get it now, now that you like, kind of, like, connect the two, but, uh, I, like, no, I, Okay, sure, I, sure. I, I no. got major Hugh Laurie vibes. I, I think he, he kind of looks like a discount Hugh Laurie, um, but I, that's, that's also fair. We've, we've mentioned before, I've, I've known about Hugh Laurie before House, like, with our sketch comedy stuff. We didn't talk about it, but I mentioned, you know, a little bit of Fry and Laurie. I think if he was in this movie playing this, like, you know, British man, people would have known he was not American before House, which, you know, good or bad thing, we can't tell. But I also have to say, Zach, you know I, I love me a House, a guilty pleasure yes. of the late seasons of House. When House takes an experimental drug without telling anybody and it gives him a bunch of tumors, so he performs surgery on himself in his bathtub. Fantastic television. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I said, I never had never understood the weird sort of just like cult status that like arose over that show. I agree. That show was always you. goofy. I agree. That show got goofy. That show got goofy at the end. He got killed Wilson's girlfriend. 
and all yes, that. Yes, he, uh, he's in prison at the start of the final season because he drives his car into uh, Cuddy's house. <laughs> yep. The late se- whenever I watch House, it's always like season four or later because it is just like bonkers and they own it and it's wonderful. <laughs> yep. Oh, one of my favorite episodes of House, which I've mentioned before, which I, I always love mentioning to Zach, is that there's an episode in season seven where their patient is a homeless man. And throughout the episode, they are, like, trying to figure out what's wrong with him. At a certain point, they find, like, shards of bone in his intestines. And they're like, what the fuck are these doing in you? And he's like, well, since I'm homeless, I, like, go to these these restaurants and the cooks and, like, busboys make fun of me. And they're like, if you eat this weird shit, we'll give you real food. And they're like, oh, no, that's bad. Like, you shouldn't do that. You should be trying like hold yourself in like high regard and so the whole episode makes it as like you know oh this homeless man we feel bad for him we want him to have a better life type of thing the last scene of the episode after they cure him literally right before credits they go in one morning the doctor's like why are all the cops here turns out our homeless patient was a serial killer that eats his victims and he got away last night Cut to credits. Never mentioned again. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck yeah. I wish every episode was this. <laughs> Delightful. Oh, God. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. We will do all eight seasons of House one day. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. And not no. episode by episode. Like, commercial break by commercial break, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, we will just do the acts of each episode all in a row. <laughs> but that was, so that was Jonathan. He's... Even though he's not Hugh Laurie, I think he's good fun in these movies. Like I mentioned, the the spear line where he's like, it's a spear. doesn't look like one. That's great. I guess Rachel Weiss is the performance. Not that I dislike it. I have the most problems with it in the first movie because I think she is playing up the goofy childhood wonder and excitement a little too much for me. And mm-hmm. this this might be another like Josie and the Pussycat scenario where you were like, um, what what's her name? Oh, God. Who played the uh, the woman? Why can't I remember her name? Terry Reed? No, not Terry Reed. The um the, the record executive with the lisp at the end. Why oh, Parker Posey. Parker Posey, yes, where where you're like, she is crazy over the top, and I'm like, I know, but I love it. I oh, did you get any like did you think Rachel Weiss was too being too like just excited about everything at certain points? Because I definitely uh, got that she's, sense. She's she's a little ugh, I don't think it's over the top. I think she's maybe a tad too doe-eyed. Okay, but I okay. think that may, that adds to the cause again. That adds to the adventure of the adventure film, so I'm rather forgiving of that. Okay, I mean the it scenes fits. that it stick fits. out, it it does it work. I mean, we need that. She's the non-adventurer that really wants to get into the field, and she even has that line at the beginning where it's like they keep the Bembridge Institute keeps rejecting me because I don't have enough field experience, so I can't wait to go on this uh, this Egyptian adventure with the prisoner that sexually assaulted me. But it wasn't bad sexual assault because. Like 1999 woman is horny, I guess, and then she she's in that scene where she's like she has oh. more she has more of a thing for him than he does. For oh her. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then the scene where she's like explaining how people or mummies would get embalmed, and she explains like how they took the brains out. She's saying it as she's like very excited, and it's a, just it's a little too over the top for me. Also, I have to mention that same scene when they find the sarcophagus that with uh they don't know that Imhotep is in it yet. There, I think Jonathan and Brendan Fraser are like, who's in this sarcophagus? And Rachel Weisz says, the inscription says it is he that must not be named. And I'm like, Voldemort, Harry Potter crossover. Um, her drunk scene, though, is fantastic. When she says the I am a librarian. And she's like, what's a place like me doing in a girl like this? I thought that was good fun. I enjoyed that thoroughly. <laughs> good tough stuff. Try a right hook. Ball up your fist and put it up like that. Mm-hmm. Now mean it. 
Okay, right here. I mean it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, time for another drink. Unlike my brother, sir, I know when to say no. Uh-huh. And unlike your brother, miss, you, I just don't get. Ah. Uh, I know. You're wondering, what is a place like me doing? In a girl like this. Yeah, something like that. Oh, Egypt is in my blood. You see, my my father was a very, very famous explorer. And he loved Egypt so much, he married my mother, who was an Egyptian and quite an adventurer herself. Hmm. Mm. I get your father and I get your mother. And uh, I get him, but... What are you doing here? Oh, look, I, I may not be an explorer, or, or an adventurer, or a treasure seeker, or a gunfighter, Mr. O'Connell, but I am proud of what I am. And what is that? I am a librarian. But she's, she's fine. I like Rachel Weiss in most things. Um, on our Patreon that everybody should check out, Ben and I discuss Constantine. We think she's great as the, the female lead in Constantine. Um, but yeah, she's, she's good fun. I just wish she came back for the third movie. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, no, like, it's weird that like, like, everybody in, like, from the first to second movie is the same. Yes. And she is infinitely more grounded in that second film. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Um, because she's, uh, because she has to get her lady fight, you know? <laughs> hey, man, you keep laughing at the lady fight. Yeah, I love it. It's the I plot of the movie. Fight. No, I mean, I laugh at it, but it is, it's the plot of the movie. I mean, it should have been called The Mummy 2, The Mummy Returns, colon, lady fight. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop making fun of it. Best part of the movie. Who else we got in the first? Oh, Benny's good fun in the movie. I like him and Brendan Fraser's chemistry where they're making fun of each other. I think Benny's annoying. Really? Okay. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think Benny was too hey, annoying. Hey, oh, God, no! I am on the horses! I'm like, I, oh my god, someone shoot him. Scene. No, I hate Benny. <laughs> the only good moment Benny has in the entire movie, and maybe one of the most clever sequences in cinematic history, is Imhotep is like cornering him like yes. three like corridors. He pulls out all the different religious symbols, just trying to figure out which one will work. I totally that agree. Might that be scene one is most... so fascinating and wonderful and fun. That's where I'm like, I'm on board with this movie. I mean, I was on board that... with it before because that's like an hour in, but I'm so into that scene too. It's 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 brilliant and profound yes. and probably better than the movie it's actually in that sequence. <laughs> Like yeah, that sequence yeah. is just it's 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 shocking how brilliant that is. It's just it's great. It's great. Like that's something that you like somewhere Wes Craven saw that and was like, damn, I wish I'd done that in Scream. Yeah. I wish I'd done that in Scream. And like I'm like, again, perfect. Perfect. Oh yeah, that that's a good one. I, I didn't have an issue with Benny though. I mean, I I I guess uh as a minor character from the beginning. Eric Avari shows up as like the curator of the museum. I think he's a curator. Um, th- this does get explained later on when it's revealed that he's like working with the uh, the Medjai and, and keeping Imhotep down. But I was losing my mind in the early scene when like they f- uh, Rachel Weiss and Jonathan find the map, 
and they show it to Eric Avari, and they're like, look, this could be the place, this is going to get us to Hamanoptera and all this shit, and Eric Avari's like, oh, poppycock, and then he lights the old ancient map on fire and says, it's for the best, probably, and that is insane. If somebody who worked in a museum was like, oh, yeah, we burnt a priceless artifact, that's fine. I was like, what? But it is explained later on. So, yeah. so that, oh, yeah. that no, makes that. more I sense. That. I love his line when, you know, um, what Rachel Weiss knocks over all the bookshelves in the domino fashion. And he's like, what the hell did you do? And she's like, oh, it was an accident. And he says, when Ramses destroyed Syria, that was an accident. You are a catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's good fun. And I, I just like Eric Avari in, in general when he pops up in little things. Um, I... Uh, speaking of Imhotep, our, I guess our titular mummy, one, you're going to love this, Zach. This is a great Rob nitpick. He is not a mummy. He never gets mummified. He gets no. he gets eaten by beetles, which is not mummification. So he's scarabs, technically Rob, scarabs, scarabs. Yeah, scarabs. He's technically not a mummy. I love the fact that in, in the first movie, he gets brought back to life, and he's like, I have one goal, and it is to be reunited with my lover, uh, Unuratu. Unaksunaman Unuratu, whatever we're calling her. The second movie, they bring him back, and immediately he's like, okay, I am still on that goal. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Um, but I think he, he's great as the mummy, you know, in the scenes when he's actually playing it. I wish we got more scenes of just him in his, like, black cloak and iron mask thing. I really like that visual when he's not full human, but he has to be in, like, the human world and stuff like that. I know it pops up in maybe one scene in both movies, but I'm like, oh, I want more of this. This looks really cool. Um, but, Zach, I have a question for you about Imhotep. I know okay. the answer to this question, but I want to see if you can figure it out. And I will preface this by saying you're going to love this question, Zach. <laughs> okay. Okay, this is my question. Okay, ready? Just bear with me. Gene is shorter than Brutus, but taller than Imhotep. Imhotep is taller than Jean, but shorter than Lord Scotland. Lord Scotland is twice the height of Jean and Brutus combined, but only a tenth of the height of Milsey. Milsey is at a constant height of X minus Y. If Jean stands exactly one nautical mile away from Lord Scotland, how tall is Imhotep? What do you think? I like your I like your pausing. Let the audience figure it out as well. I like that's good. I'll put the Jeopardy music in there. <laughs> the answer, which I'll give you, Imhotep is invisible. Okay. All right. If you say so, Rob. Oh, but that's my question about Imhotep. That's the only thing I could really think when they said he was Imhotep. The last thing I want to mention is a, I thought a nice touch in the third one, the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Jonathan is living in China in the third one, and they when they go over there, they like meet up with him. He is running a nightclub, and the nightclub is called Imhotep's. And I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> oh yeah, I, remember. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than that, in the first movie, none of the other characters really stand out. What you got the Americans that all die one by one to re reincarnate Imhotep's skin and stuff like that. Uh, I guess Izzy. We can talk about a little. We talked about a little bit, but he doesn't have like you know. Oh, he's, he's in the second one. I'm thinking of Benny and who's the pilot in the first one that dies? The the oh the old the, the old guy? dude. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. Where he's like you know, what's whatever his name is Wilson or, or Ham Hamilton or something mm -hmm. like that. But Brendan Fraser's like, come on, let's go. Oh no, he's dead. Bummer. <laughs> yeah, it's a sad moment. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, other than that, I, I, I think in the second movie, uh, I mentioned that uh, we get Mr. Echo from Lost, who has one of the craziest real-life names. Uh, I 
once again, I probably am not correcting this, uh, pronouncing this correctly, but to correct us, he should come on the show and we can talk to him. Uh, Adewal Akinuoy Agbahe. He's Mr. Echo from Lost. He's Adebisi from Oz. And he is like Imhotep's right-hand man in the second movie. And he has all the scenes taking care of the little kid. And I hate it. He is so underutilized. And then he just gets killed by... Uh, Ardith Bay Magi later man. on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a bummer. I wish I saw him more. He's always going to be Mr. Echo from Lost to me. Uh, like you said, the dude in the red robes has nothing to do except wander around at a certain point, which is funny when you think about it that way. I, I think that's it for the performances that I wanted to point out because we talked about The Rock already. Uh, and like we said, the kid's not bad, which is good, I guess. But I, I guess other tiny moments that stood out to me, we get this whole set piece in The Mummy Returns where it's like a double-decker bus chase where they're fighting off zomb- uh, zombies, mummies. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a few shots where on the inside of the bus, not like on its own sign, but printed or painted on the actual inside of the bus are just the words, do not spit. Was this a thing back in the 30s? Like people were spitting on buses all the time, so they had to like... Like, not tell them not to? Because when I tried to Google this, the only things I could find were, like, in modern era, like, New York City bus drivers quitting their job because people in New York were spitting on them. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. And so, imagine, I don't know, imagine, like, if some somebody's angry at the bus driver, they spit on them, and that causes them to be like, I can't handle this. But they are very prominently just, like, Brendan Fraser will be talking or, like, fighting somebody in the, in the inside of the bus, and you'll see in the background just the words, do not spit. And I'm like, okay. I guess you shouldn't spit on the bus in uh, 1930s no. London or wherever they are. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, so so Zach, don't no spitting. We'll get. Well, I'll bring that back up when we do snacks. I have some I, no spitting I snacks. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, we mentioned a lot of the other stuff. I hate the tattoo stuff in the second movie. I, I guess I should say I do kind of appreciate some of the nods in the sequel to the first one it might be a stockholm syndrome thing because i watched them like basically back to back but i love not maybe not love i appreciated where what brendan fraser says to rachel vice like oh the our kid is like making reminding me of you as you know ever with every day that passes and then the kid knocks over all the pillars in the same way that rachel vice knocked over all the bookshelves and i'm like I'm like, I'm f- I was, I guess the best way to put it is I was surprisingly fine with that. <laughs> uh, the kid thing is weird. Like, like, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. Like, it feels like, once again, they kind of split the dynamic of Rachel Weisz's character from the first movie into her and then the yes. kid. Like, they gave yes. the kid the doe-eyed sense of adventure, and she just becomes kind of just, like, stoic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then she's dead for five minutes. Yep. And then she has yes. a lady fights. Absolutely. Lady fight. Lady fight. <laughs> <laughs> The Mummy 2. Lady fight. <laughs> lady. Can we add that to the, the pantheon of our sequel names, like Blank Harder, Day of the Soldado, Hyper... Have we talked about that? Like Hyper something or like whatever it is? Yeah. Let's just add Lady Fight, you know? I think every third movie in a franchise should be Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Like <laughs> Sicario 3, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I like that. That's good. But could you imagine if it was something like, you know, Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers Lady Fight? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was? Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Lady Fight. Oh, sure, sure. The sequel, Captain Marvel, Lady Fight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, Brie Larson would not sign up I was about to say the same exact thing. Brie Larson would, like, murder people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I think that was it I had for 
the Mummy franchise. I mean, we talked about the animated series. I wanted to mention that. Uh, yeah, I mean, overall, like I said, first two movies, pretty fun. I, I don't know. I mean, like we said with Brendan Fraser, maybe people have some uh, still nostalgia for these and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I'm like I said, I'm glad we did this before some of the, the terrible, terrible things that we'll be getting into in the fort year that you have put on the spreadsheet that just make me, like, sigh every time I see them. <laughs> oh, God, Rob. But yeah, I think that's it. I don't think okay. I have anything else. Right on, right on. So I guess then, are we ready for our questions? Hmm. Or, or, I think so. Or, or do we need to ask maybe a more important question? Do you think during this discussion, Zach, that we have uh, successfully showed the audience the mummy? Show me the mummy! Show me the mummy. We need like, to get Cuba Good Jr. on. I hope that at the end of this, people listening to this part, when we, before we get to our questions, they, they sit back and they go to themselves, yeah, they showed me the mummy. That's what we were trying to accomplish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what I, I like want to succeed, Rob. So I always have to ask when we do our double features, are we separating these or combining them? And this is an interesting one because we actually have two sequels directly to each other. What do you think? Uh, let's combine them. Let's do it different. I think I think we're both going to kind of fall on the both. I can't imagine we're going to differ that much on these. I would agree. Okay, so I – and also if we did combine or not combine these, uh, my answers are – are the same across the board. So uh, all of mine are no for Cinemodities and for Late Night. I do have a caveat for The Mummy Returns. My my one caveat was to take a page from you, Zach, with what you did uh, back way back when with Batman v Superman, where you said no, except maybe showing people the nightmare sequence. I'm, I am very tempted to say I want to show people that shot of Imhotep running into frame, kneeling down and screaming no. That is a very, very good thing to throw on and show people. But like I said, these movies are good, goofy, fun, action-adventure, Indiana Jones and the Mummies type of motif. It's all they're silly, good, goofy, fun, like I said, fun to see. But I don't think there's anything that makes them cinematities. And late night, I think I'm also going to say probably something you were thinking of. Can you find viewings of this with people who haven't seen it it probably is easier than some other circumstances but i feel like a lot of cases this would fall into like a nostalgia rewatch for a lot of people and i'm pretty sure we've established this point we don't usually approve of that for our late night viewing well it's interesting actually you might have changed my mind on what i was gonna say oh god <laughs> no you actually that's like put... lady fight lady fight <laughs> late at night lady fight <laughs> <laughs> late at night lady fight that's like a great like one-off we should do late at night lady fight movies maybe on international women's day we should do that <laughs> late at night ladies night lady fight um no like i agree with you no to a cinema no to a late night movie but much like how i said earlier the idea of going back and watching a movie you were very familiar with like 20 years 15 20 years ago mm-hmm. that's like that is intriguing to me. A movie okay. you've seen before, thought highly of, then go back and just realizing how goofy it is. Sure. The, sure. And you're in your in your you're highlighting the last fifteen minutes of this movie, of the second one. Mm-hmm. I think is an interesting idea. I'm still gonna say no for late night movie to both, but it's a, it's definitely an interesting question. 
I the like idea that, of going back. Yeah, some type of revisiting because if it's been like maybe a, we there's some type of window that if it's past a certain length you can revisit. Maybe if like you know some some like reverse version of like statute of limitations where you know yes. <laughs> where you can actually revisit it if enough time has passed. But that that is interesting. But I think it's you have not you cannot have watched it in that time. Yes, it's not like oh that's the thing. It has to be that like oh after a certain it has to be at least fifteen years since you've watched it and you must have liked it. Okay. Okay. I, I can get into you that. You did like it, and you realize how goofy it is. Like, oh wow, like I was dumb for liking this. But it has, like, <laughs> yeah. but it has that layer, just like unintentional goof or schlock to it. Sure, sure. Can we add that? You know, let's say maybe you know you had to have liked it when you were younger. At least fifteen years have passed, and right before you watch it, you get electroshock therapy. Can we add that to this <laughs> this scenario? Sure. Because I sure, would like Rob, to. Because this isn't. We can't exactly say this is something like a Ludovico technique, but we still want a weird meta procedure involved in our late night viewings i think that's one thing we we are sure of (laughs) of course rob of course (laughs) be like hey we're gonna rewatch the mummy when'd you see it oh probably 15 years ago perfect do you remember something about it a little bit here and there okay lie down and put this piece of wood in your mouth bite down when it hurts (laughs) (laughs) okay okay so so yeah i think we're in agreement then for these movies um yeah, if that if, oh god, I don't know if that Imhotep scene is on YouTube, but I'm tempted to put it on there myself if it isn't <laughs> because people need to see that. Um, but okay, I guess that brings us to snacks, and I guess the snacks that I want to start with are ones that I have a few questions about for you to see if we can refine them. Do you know in the first movie, and I guess technically it happens in the second movie, but when Imhotep is like decayed and he's back to life and he's trying to rebuild his skin and and look like you know the actual Imhotep the the human form I guess do you know what he's taking from people is it like their essence is it like their life force I I I I would guess okay like what else would you call it yeah I I just didn't I didn't pick up if there was anything like in the movie where they said like what it was or something I know in the second one they talk about the bracelet like taking your your life force or they use one of those words but that was for the bracelet Mm -hmm. I don't know what Imhotep is doing but I love that after Imhotep takes it from people they turn into like the dried out husks of people Mm -hmm. and so whatever that is whatever these people have in them their essence their life force whatever can we bottle that and sell it can we have mm. like a like a like a glass like Rob, a, like a Coca Cola glass, I'm, but there's human essence in it? <laughs> Rob, I I'm very uh, I regret to inform you this is this already exists Uh-oh. and it's already being one individual already has a monopoly on this market, but it's almost like a reverse monopoly in that they just consume all of it. Okay, and that is share. Share <laughs> has the ability to suck the life essence out of out of things and consume them. <laughs> So we can't do that, unfortunately. If we do that, it's going to be kind of like um, – Okay. Remember from Rick and Morty, they had the guy with the eyeballs. Like It's like, I'm the eyeball man. Where are my eyeballs? Get up on like, out of here all- with my eye holes. I love that. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm looking through your eye holes. Yes, look through my eye holes. Oh, 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 oh. I'm the eye hole man. I'm the only one that's allowed to have eye holes. Get up out of here with my eye hole. That's what would happen if we had those, or maybe we could add this as an addendum to your idea. If we were to have that, Cher would be breaking into our restaurant every day trying to steal our, much like mm. how in the new Law & Order, not Savu, where someone's trying to steal COVID vaccines. Yes. Cher would be trying to steal our life essences. Okay, so so are we saying that we'd have to like license this from share type of thing? 
No, she wouldn't let us have it. Oh, like, she just wouldn't even let us license it. Okay, okay. At, like, that's the thing. If we did invent our own supply of it, she would be constantly trying to steal it all. That's – I okay, I see what you're saying. And, you know, one, do we need more legal battles at the Cinemati restaurant if she sued us? And, and two, and the, and do the we need yes. share you... breaking into the restaurant? <laughs> and the answer is yes to both. <laughs> That would okay. Now I just love in the lore of the restaurant, just like it, like a family goes there against all you know better intuition. The family goes there and they know the gist of the restaurant and they see Cher and they're like, "Oh look, a Cher walk around character." And the waiters are like, "No, that is actually Cher," and she is trying to actively hurt the restaurant. <laughs> It, they will disguise it. Like, we have like little posters throughout the restaurant say "Wanted" and "Share." <laughs> we try and get the what the the Harrison Ford Blade Runner character to chase her, and he's like, "Is she a replicant?" And we're like, "Sure, just fucking capture her. <laughs> <laughs> just shoot her. We don't care." Uh, <laughs> oh, so that was that was my first one. I had a question for the other one. I have a question for is so on the topic of the lore of the restaurant. We all, we know it's in. We know that the Cinemati's restaurant is an infinite space, but I think we've established that it's not like we created the infinite space. It's that we have found this infinite void to put the restaurant in after Mars 2112 went out of business. So my question is, do we need, like, the the Cinemodities restaurant or the, the original, whatever the infinite space would just be called before the restaurant was there, do we need some type of, like, the analog of Egyptologists to catalog the history of this infinite space? Now hear me mm. out, Zach. John Ratzenberg... Ratzenberger seems to be off to a good start at doing this because we have established he is in some way related to this infinite void in a few different instances. He he's mapping it out. Yes. So so do we need some version of like archaeologists to discover or to to uncover the history of this infinite void type of thing? What do you think? Yeah, I think that, I don't know. I, I don't like demystifying the Cinemodis restaurant. Sure. We, for every one mystery we do solve, we kind of like create 10 in the process. Yes, yes. I'm going to say why not. Okay, okay. I like that because, of course, you know, then it maybe if someone finds a mummy that was, you know, predates the restaurant, that could lead to some good stuff. So on this topic, I had this thought as I was thinking of this for snacks. The This is the type of Cinemodities fan fiction I want to read. I want to read our fans writing something about like what was the what was in the the restaurant before you know Cinemodities and Mars twenty one twelve like what was going on in a in a Manhattan Times Square like infinite void. I want this fan fiction. And as I wrote my note that this is the only Cinemodities fan fiction I want, I had to say, oh no, there is another type of fan fiction I want, and this is me. This is Rob. I don't think Zach's going to agree to this. This is Rob wholeheartedly saying he will accept fan fictions about either the history of the infinite void that the restaurant now inhabits or erotic stories of Rob and Zach. I would love somebody to write erotic fan fiction between us. If people are shipping us and writing erotic fan fiction, email it to us. I will read it. I probably won't read it on air, but I will read it and I will always talk to Zach about it. All right, all right, Maximo, get to it. Get to it, Maximo. Can't you do you agree in all seriousness that it would be incredibly flattering if somebody wrote erotic stories about us, Zach? Wouldn't that be like a, a mark of success? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? <laughs> Zach's like, I'm What's, pleading. What the, there are so <clears throat> many amendments out there, and I can only choose one. I choose the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. I plead the fifth. 
<laughs> I have a little piece of paper up that says FIF. Yeah, there you go. Yep, yep. Oh, so so our audience get on it. Get on some fan fiction, uh, history related or erotic related. <laughs> oh, I love All right, it. Rob, do you have any more snacks or is that it? So those are the ones I had questions for. I do have some other snacks. Um, uh, I would love to add as maybe a special occasion uh, type of thing to our seance modities. A the raise the dead ritual that uh, Imhotep is doing. I would love on maybe special occasions if we have something so important that we have to contact, we actually can raise them from the dead. I think that would be fun. As I mentioned earlier, we should have do not spit signs around the restaurant because we don't want anybody spitting in there. I like the idea of we have so many modes of transportation and we've been expanding on the modes of transportation with like, you know, I think we got the ferry, we got the the airplanes now, there's like an airport in the restaurant. Um, I would, oh, the helicopters that are being shot down by people. I would love to have some camels in there too. Uh, You know, I think that would be good fun. So camels is another mode of transportation. There's a moment in this movie where I think one of the Americans says he wants a glass of bourbon with a shot of bourbon and a bourbon chaser. Chaser. Yeah, that's another thing just to add to, like, the bar menu or something like that. And then I think the last one I have is some book in the restaurant. Probably not the menus because we need so many of them, but some book in the restaurant should be made of solid gold and have giant gold slabs as pages. Because when we see the Book of Amun-Ra at the end of the first movie that they've been hyping up as like, oh, it's the book that's made completely out of gold. When we see it and Rachel Weisz has to like flip through it, the pages are giant gold slabs and it looks so inefficient and stupid that I'm like, we need to have that in the restaurant. <laughs> but like I said, I would love for mm-hmm. the menus, but we can't, I don't think we have enough gold to make the me- all the menus out of gold. <laughs> Those are my snacks. I just love the idea I don't, of giant, I don't afford that. giant slabs as pages seems so dumb to me. <laughs> like, 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 who wants a book where the pages are heavy? <laughs> those those were all my snacks, Zach. What did you have? Uh, I want to – first, I love uh, when they find Imhotep in the second film. He's basically just like a giant booger, like in yes. the ground. I love that. Like, like we need more giant boogers in the restaurant. Oh, that's true. He he falls into like goo at the end of the first movie. Well, right? I, I'm I'm getting to the okay, goo. Okay, okay, okay. I want to drink the goo. Like <laughs> we should have the goo at the restaurant. I don't know what it is. I don't even know if it tastes good. I just want to be able to drink the goo. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's like a Slurpee machine. It's constantly being churned. We don't know what's happening to it. I just want to be able to drink the goo. I like that. Didn't wasn't it like an actual news story like a few years ago where they on some archaeological archaeological dig they found like. Maybe not a tomb, but some remains of something, and they found, like, this liquid that had been somehow, like, encased, and it was actually still in liquid form when they found it, and it's, like, really ancient, and the whole internet was like, drink it! I want to drink the forbidden mummy juice or something like that. Does that sound familiar? I think that happened. I I don't doubt it. I don't remember it, but I don't doubt it. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. The internet would totally say that. Be like, let's do it. Let's drink the forbidden juice, you know? Uh, and I'm trying to think. I also like the idea of, like, like we've never talked about, like, bouncers at the Cinemati's restaurant. I think oh. we what we have we have we talked I, about bouncers? If we, we have, have to, if if, yeah, very briefly, I feel like it would have been in the vein of, or oh, we have this character be the bouncer or something like that. Okay. Well, I like the idea of another form of, like, getting, like, rowdy, like, patrons out of the restaurant mm-hmm. is from the first film, the blue chariot that basically just drags people's essences out. Yes. I like that's another oh, goofy. Yeah. That's also a very goofy thing that happened in the first film that we did at Highline. We have like like a blue chariot that just basically robs someone of their of their foot. 
immortality yes yes because that's the thing that happened (laughs) yeah that was good that was very funny (laughs) so yes we should have we should have them it's like bouncer enforcers okay i dig that i dig are they are they actually kicking people out of the restaurant or if we want them kicked out they're taking their essence or whatever maybe maybe that's how we circle back to your original idea Oh, it gets how we okay. get our essences, and then Cher finds out about them and is trying to hire them because she's running a competing business. Okay, I was also thinking maybe Cher tries to fight them. <laughs> wow, fair <laughs> like enough. Cher thinks she's strong enough to take on ethereal, you know, non tangible bouncer things. <laughs> that seems like something Cher would do. I believe she could do. Oh, Sounds wonderful! About right. Wonderful. <laughs> I can't believe it took us over three years to get to share. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in love? <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll have to talk about. I think it's the Fairly Brothers that movie stuck on you. Uh-huh. Did, did you share like share playing share is like a main character in that movie. Did you? Oh, know, really? Yeah. Have you seen that movie? No, I'm it aware of it. That's, a, that's Matt Damon, right? <laughs> Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear. I'm pretty sure. Oh God! It is oh, God. terrible. Spoiler alert: They get separated at the end, but then decide to continue to live as conjoined twins it is yeah i remember that very weird <laughs> and then one of the Farrelly brothers directs green book and as they say the rest is history <laughs> oh okay any oh, other God, snacks yeah. that you had zach uh i'm trying to think i i maybe some more i don't know i kind of like the uh i don't know what they're called they're in both the first and the second movie like the I don't know if they are soldiers of the real have the weird funny hats and they're carrying like sickles around. Okay. Um, I like that. I just like how they look. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot of I guess in in, ter- in terms of we said how fun these movies were. Great, great set design and and you know um you know production. Like I love a lot of the the ancient Egypt look of all this stuff. So yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think like uh maybe there'll be like you ever been to like the Cheesecake Factory it has like that faux like. Like Egyptian, like 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 decor. Yes, yes. Maybe we have them as we walk in. <laughs> okay, okay, I dig that. <laughs> and also, we probably should have Anubis on the payroll. Even going back to like uh, Gods of Egypt, that's a good. point. I feel like Anubis. I feel like we like much like that Simpsons gag from uh, Treehouse of Horror, where Mr. Burns is like, "Who's that goat?" Like Cockbella. <laughs> I like the cut of his jib. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should be in business with Anubis at some point, considering all the yeah. death and mayhem. Yeah. I feel like we, should, like, much like the Scorpion King, we should be making a deal with Anubis. I feel like that's we should be like, like we should have him at least in our Rolodex. Absolutely. Yeah. Get on his good good side. A hundred percent that that is a really good point yeah uh, that, that's also interesting i was definitely thinking of gods of egypt as i uh was watching these movies um no unfortunately no gerard butler changing his accent every scene in the mummy movies <laughs> wouldn't it be great we should get gods of egypt too but with brendan fraser oh there you go he could brendan fraser would be a great like like, like the end cameo of being the dude who lives on the spaceship in the sun or in space or whatever the hell it was in gods of egypt that gerard <laughs> butler Rush. goes up and Jeff, yeah instead Jeff, of jeffrey, Jeff, Rush, jeffrey Rush. we get we get brendan fraser and gerard butler has to kill him in a scene where where just before the murder happens, Gerard Butler runs through his entire repertoire of accents in a in a one shot, like one take. Gerard Butler basically does a, like a slew of accents and then murders Brendan Fraser. It'll be great. Hit a hundred billion kajillion dollars. No, we can't do money m- movies that way anymore. That movie would be watched by literally every person who exists on Netflix the day it came out. 
that's how we can rank movies these days, right? <laughs> is, is that how we're ranking them, Rob? Yeah, yeah. I know Ben and I talk about this on Patreon a good bit, but remember that thing where like Bird Box came out and Netflix was like, every human being that has ever lived watched this the day of its release. And it was yes. like, okay, we, I guess. We, there's no independent verification for you, Netflix, but sure. <laughs> oh, God. Remember that was a thing, Rob? What, Bird Box or Netflix? <laughs> yeah. Well, both. But... <laughs> Remember when Netflix was the only game in town? Remember that? Yep, yep. Now we got... What a scary time. Peacock. Now we got... You know what I did a free trial for recently so I could record some weird movies that I couldn't find? There's a streaming service called Magnolia Selects. I don't even know what that means. That's the only place I could find the early Nicholas Winding Refn movies. But it's just called Magnolia Selects. (laughs) Why not? Oh, God. So, okay, I mean, and if you don't got any other snacks, Zach. uh, Well, much like going to your – okay, Rob, I sent you a message on Facebook. The fuck? I know. God damn it. (laughs) The point of this being is that I want you to go to the five-minute mark of this video. Okay. And it it goes – I want Brendan Fraser to yell this. When he's on the giant, like, open-air spaceship in space in Gods of Egypt. Okay, okay. And so what did you say? The five-minute mark? mark? Okay. Yep. Oh, my God. This is actually – since I'm recording you in the output channel, this will get recorded when I play it. This is, like, the first time a clip is being put in live, Zach. This is groundbreaking. I got to put the goat clip in here. (laughs) All right, watch the goat video right now. Okay. Okay, okay. Here we go. I'm watching. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed yourself. I would have enjoyed this interview a lot more if I had gotten my cup of coffee. <laughs> Is it the cup? The cup of coffee thing just happened. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Did we pass it? Uh, yeah, it just happened. You can't hear it, just like you can't hear yourself. But but it just played. It just played for the audience, Zach, and for me. I want my cup of coffee. So so you so you want him to yell that to Gerard Butler? Is that what you're saying? I want him to yell that at everybody. <laughs> I told you, man. Greatest movie ever. We hope you enjoyed your time at the Cinemize restaurant. You probably would have enjoyed it better if I got my damn cup of coffee. (laughs) Okay, okay, good. I'm glad you sent me that as well. I could put it in earlier, too. I'm also seeing that the last time we talked to each other on Facebook was when you sent me Halloween commercials that we ended up not talking about. (laughs) I forgot about those. All right. Well, anything else? Any final thoughts on The Mummy? Uh, Show me The Mummy. (laughs) Show me the mummy. Show me the mummy! Kind of fascinating looking at the grosses of these movies. Like, the first one makes 200... I'm sorry. The first one makes $155 million in 1999, mm-hmm. which is big by, by, by God, those standards. Oh, yeah. Then the second one comes out two years later, makes over $200 million. And then seven years later, Dragon Emperor comes out and makes half that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were successful. I mean, and people still, like we were talking about, people still have some nostalgia or know about them. So, you know, good it's on weird. them. It's weird. Yeah. Time, it was like, it was like, think about it. That was like one of the last few times in like pop culture where you had something that could be ubiqu- ubiquitous in the culture. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, it's that Tobey Maguire Spider-Man thing. Like mm-hmm. that will always, if people think of The Mummy for at least another 20 years. That will be what they think of. Absolutely. I dig it. I dig it. So I dig it. with that being said, we have shown people The Mummy. We have been shown The Mummy. Uh, show me the mummy. Uh, so I guess we should say um, this is the the like I said the slow ramp down. The rest of the four years is going to be interesting as Rob will get angrier and angrier. But it might peak. I might be the angriest next week. And I can say for certain next week 
I I don't know what you think, Zach. I know that Ben, who we're gonna we should have, he has some affinity for Shrek, so I might be on the uh, the the only one on the negative side of Shrek, and I am looking forward to trying to explain why I think Shrek is bad and angering the entirety of the internet. I cannot wait for that to happen next week. <laughs> does anybody care about Shrek, Rob? The like, entire internet ja- cares about Shrek. They don't. Yes, no, they, they do. Don't. Okay, we were going to talk about this next week. We cannot get into this now. We have to talk <laughs> about this next week. But yes, Zach, the entire world... I honestly think the moment we are recording... Even when people aren't hearing it, when we are recording Shrek and I say, I think Shrek is bad, well, it'll happen right now. I will immediately get doxxed and swatted. Immediately. (laughs) Immediately, Zach. (laughs) I think the first Shrek is redeemable, but the second one is a a nightmare. We are only just going to be discussing the first one next week, and Zach has just confirmed it for me. I am going to be the only one in the complete negative corner for Shrek. So tune in next week for that. Uh, I maybe I shouldn't give our email address in this episode because people will preemptively complain to me that I have offended them uh, completely. So, uh, but yes, tune in for Shrek next week when the fort year goes completely downhill for Rob. Uh, but then it'll pick back up right at the end with Rat Race. <laughs> That's my light at the end of the tunnel at this point. Is it Rob? Is it? <laughs> yes. So I think uh, then that leaves us with um, you know how should we end this episode? I think the best way to do it is uh, there was a song uh, written for this by the band Live, which I don't really know too much about, uh, but it is called Forever May Not Be Long Enough, and it is the end credit song for The Mummy Returns. So I figured we use that in reverse. There's no other, not really any other music in this, other than the score, of course, but no other, like, you know, famous songs or anything used in here. Um, you know, we never get, like, like some, you know, walk like an Egyptian musical sing or anything like that. They didn't go oh, far we, enough. Oh, 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 can we please have that as the reverse? The reverse I'll probably throw it in there now that we mentioned it. Have some, have some walk like an Egyptian thrown in right at the end. Walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Show me the mummy. Show me the money!